gosh. This is a big, this is a big, the big doozy. Yeah, here it I is. I have so much anxiety every year we do this. You do? I do, too, I, do. I have so much excitement. Yeah. Like very, very positive excitement. Mm-hmm. But I also get super anxious. Like, Me I, too. Like the finality, it's not final. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But like just the, some the culmination of like, I have to like make this quantitative in some way, like some yeah. scoring thing or like how, how can I compare an apple and an orange and say one's, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like I love mm-hmm. both, you know, it's just like putting them in an order is really challenging for yeah. me. And it's a representation of who you are as a person in a way. Yeah. Sounds weird, but yeah. it is, it is. It's, I mean, it is, it, it can be, and it can not be. We've talked about that before. Um, here on Movie Schmovie, mm-hmm. the podcast that you're listening to. And when I say we, I mean myself, John, Steve. Ron. Welcome. Yeah. <laughs> but like we've talked First about. First name this... Ron, last name Welcome. <laughs> yeah. Ron, you know, welcome. Ron, Ron, welcome. Ronnie, welcome. Oh, no, I like that. Ronnie sounds good. Ron, welcome sounds kind of weird. But <laughs> Ron, Ron, Ronnie, Ronnie welcome. welcome. Ronnie, welcome. Um, but here on this show, we've discussed that before with our, with our end of the year best of list that mm-hmm. like. Are you making a list for posterity, or are you making a list that 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 is your taste, that is your idiosyncratic sure. taste? And you you one time said you, it'll always be your list. Yeah. And I think since then I've been like, okay, that'll be my fallback. When in doubt, movies that mean something to me make this sure. list more so than movies that necessarily, rather than this feeling of I've got to see every movie that's been critically acclaimed this year. I've got to see right. every movie that looked interesting and challenging to make the best possible, most representative list. Exactly. It's like, well, no, maybe I should just look at the movies that I naturally saw yeah. over the last year and rate those. And that is much easier for me. What is very stressful is the rush of this last week or so of like trying to see as many yeah. movies as I can. And this yeah. year, I just... I just didn't. Like, there were some movies that I thought I was surely going to see that I just did not get around to seeing. And I made a little list of... These movies may be, might have been ones that would have been on my list. I don't know. You know, there's a lot of movies you missed that you know you wouldn't have put in your top ten or you don't think you would have. But, um, so yeah, there's quite a few that, that didn't make my list, but I did see a lot, too. Okay. So, do, do, you feel like you, do you feel like you had enough grist for the mill this year? Yeah, I only missed, like, two that I really wanted to see. Um, the other ones I knew that I wouldn't, probably wouldn't be in my top ten. Two I did not see, Patterson and... Um, Manchester by the Sea, which I fucking knew probably may have made my top ten because I fucking I'm I'm leaning towards the the Afflecks lately, right? And I like Casey, and I hear that this one's like a really good mix mm-hmm. of tragedy and comedy in a way that yeah doesn't get highlighted too often. For me, the movies that I thought might have made my list that I didn't end up seeing uh, were Patterson, mm-hmm. Other People, uh, Life Animated. Other people. Let me look up other Hidden people. Figures, Manchester by the Sea, Silence, Don't Think Twice, and the big surprise for me, which I thought I was going to see uh, a matinee of today but did not make it to, was Fences. I didn't get Fences in oh, Under the Wire. fuck. I forgot about that movie I in relation tell. to my list. Yeah. Oh, you did? Oh, yeah. I forgot that was 2006. Oh, Jesus Christ. I just forget. It just came out. <laughs> I know, man. I did not see... And, and most of these I didn't see, I didn't see because they didn't get their wide release until this month. Yes. Shit. They qualify for 2016. I didn't see 20th Century Women. I didn't totally uh, forgot about that. The Founder. Yeah, was... Yep, me either. Uh, Patterson, Gold. And then the two, I didn't see, I wanted to see The Handmaiden and The Wailing that from you guys recommending mm, them. Right. Um, so they're two movies that <laughs> you obviously can't keep a straight face about. And uh, I, I didn't get to see them. So, you know. 
This is a. What I'm saying is, this is a fluid list. Yes. This time next year, I'll come back around and I'll be like, "Yo, finally, 2016. This is my top ten. In case mm. any of them, any mm. of those five or six sneak their way in there. I don't know that I've known you. I've always known you to be very involved in your list, Steve. But this year, I've sensed more more anxiety than I have in years past. Was it just because there were so many good ones and you were trying to get the right order? Down? I really do think that's it. Yeah. Like I, like you said earlier, I've tried to really. St- challenge like really stay on top of this like these are my favorite movies of the Mm -hmm. year i'm not saying that these are maybe the most well-made films of the year or that these are the movies that are going to win oscars yeah things of that nature and also just like you know like i feel like i didn't really know that i was going to like as many movies as i genuinely did this year yeah Yeah. like i actually made a top 25 list Mm -hmm. this year like to try to kind of help myself feel better about Still giving a movie acknowledgement, even if it was number fifteen. Yeah, you know, because it's still on my list. Yeah. It's such a stupid, like, like qualitative, quantitative thing for me to be like, oh well, you know, I don't even know, like some random movie that's towards the bottom, um, an acknowledgement of some kind, mm-hmm. even if it's not in the top ten or the top five. Yeah, you know, so that made me feel better about it. Now that said, like. I feel like there's been a really big like challenge in my head of like you brought it up on our Facebook thread that we keep going but it's like this mm. idea of like movies that like I thought should be on my list yeah. versus movies that like right. really wanted to be or mm-hmm. like yeah like deserve to well, be Well I was saying that to you the yeah. other night about yeah. like there were movies I realized this year making mine that like there are movies that I want on my list, and then movies that want to be on my list. Right. Yeah. yeah. And that can, and then I, that can even mean different things. Sometimes a movie wants to be on your list, and it could be some mainstream thing that you wouldn't have thought would be on your list. Right. And then you find yourself going, "No, I really did love that." Yeah. But then there's other movies that just surprise you with that, what you were talking about, Steve. That that emotional reaction when you list them yeah. and you look at them and you go, "No, I loved that. I loved that." And then certain movies that you felt like, "Oh, yeah, that's that's a shoe in," you realize, "Oh no, this movie is not even in my top 20." Right. Th- there's a pretty solid movie that maybe is not going to make a top 20, but still, I definitely think that like like I look at my 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 11 through 20s movies. Yeah. And there are a lot of it's it's a good mix. It's not as good of a list as my top ten, but it's a good mix of like tentpole movies, um, small movies, sure. un, unexpected movies. Sure. Um, but my top ten, I think the main thing that I would say characterizes it this year is that sense of surprise, like movies that I saw and then as I was watching them and the credits were rolling, I was like, holy shit! I think I loved that. That happened to me more more in the last couple of months of trying to catch up on these movies than than I expected. And maybe more than it has in recent years, although I do remember last year saying a similar thing about how many good small movies there were. Right. Um, maybe that's just a thing that we're going to start to see more of, is that there are, you know, that like, it's not just the big Oscar contenders that come out in the last couple of months of the year. There's also a lot of indie studios that put out movies in that same time frame if they think they've got something. So maybe they're not part of the Oscar conversation, but there will be something mind-blowing. You'll see something that really will will kind of knock you on your ass, you know? And it won't be the ones that you expected. It won't be the the Oscar bait, and it won't be the tentpole. I think that's really... I don't know. I get. I guess I get re-excited about movies every time we do this episode. <laughs> yeah. You know? Cause, yeah, because, I mean, it is like Ronald was saying. Like, it's such a... It's, it frames so quickly, like... Who I am as a moviegoer. Yeah. yeah. You know, like what I gravitate towards, what connects with me, what doesn't, mm-hmm. you know, by what 
I thought would be on there, like you're saying, and like it's not even, you know, it's like, well, how'd that happen? Yeah. Like it's not even in my top 25. Like there's a couple of movies I thought for sure I would have some sort of conversation about that, like I didn't dislike them, yeah. but it just became something where I was like, wow, there's like a lot of other movies that I liked more mm-hmm. or that I want to watch again, you know, or like things like that. And so that was really an interesting kind of, I don't know, the proper word, realization. You're right, you right. Know? I think we okay? all. I'm nervous, man. I'm, I'm uncomfortable. There's, there's. I have two little <laughs> so questions for you guys before we dive in. One is, I think every time we usually mention this, and since we're kind of on this subject, I guess mm. this would be a good time to do it. Is there a movie that missed your top ten that when you look at it, you're just you're shocked it missed your top ten? Yes, absolutely. Well, based that, off of what? Expect like the just whatever. Expect, all this stuff we're talking about. Well, it's in your wheelhouse. It was so well done. You 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 loved it. You saw it. You thought it was a shoe in. Whatever. Yeah. Rogue One. Rogue One missed my top ten. Okay. And I and I wanted it to be there, but mm-hmm. there were so many good movies this year that I didn't make my list. It was very close, but didn't make my list. That's the one. I will say that's also not on mine. Okay. Is well, that on yours? Rogue One is not on mine, but oh, the wow. movie that surprised me the most that I was just throughout the year, I was just sure it was on there, or not throughout the year, but throughout the last half of the year, uh, was Hell or High Water. I, I was I, so close. I was certain that was going to be in my top 10 because I really did enjoy it, but it then this movie. last couple of weeks, some things just came in and changed things. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The sound effect that happens? Yeah. yeah. When something comes in and changes things? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's I, a, I feel it's like, like a little a little uh, strangled toot sound. Yeah. 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 This year was like a big That's year. That's the sound of, of change, Steve. <laughs> <laughs> this year was a big year of untraditional sort of movies. Mm-hmm. Of, of like uh, barrier breaking, I'd even say, in a lot of ways. Barrier breaking. Yeah. Even like in, in their respective genres barrier breaking movies mm-hmm. i feel like there were some things that i experienced this year that i hadn't experienced ever people within genres are playing around with those genres and playing around with how sophisticated yeah. the audience is becoming and how choosy the audience is becoming about whether they're going to go see a movie in the theater so yeah the tent pole the big movies have to be sophisticated about how they stay within a genre and i do think that like the indie film that operates sort of as a genre exercise but also as an indie film Mm -hmm. is a big thing now like indie films that have flavors of fantasy or horror or sci-fi mixed in with the kind of filmmaking you expect i think that's a huge new thing and it's something i really find encouraging um well before we jump in one the last question i had for you guys was what do you think is most important like what is most valid to you the way you feel about a movie or in, in the end what has the most lasting effect the way you feel when you're walking out of the theater or the way you feel a couple days later, or a week later, whenever you think back, like as far as what becomes a favorite, what goes on a list, is it? Are you, are you remembering that initial feeling of leaving the theater, going, "Holy fuck," or are you? Is are these movies that grew in your mind? With me, it's the experience in the theater. Yeah, I think the latter option only helps it. Yeah, but I think the the seat at the table for these choices for me is that experience in the theater. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that's pretty consistent. Like for trying me. to. So you, in other words, when you make your list, you almost have to then remember like. How did I feel when I was walking to yeah. my car? Yep. Because if you don't, you might give that movie short shrift. Do you right. know what I mean? Yep. Yep. That's a good one. That's a, yeah. I, I think for the most part is that, and then, and then if it echoes throughout the day or the week or the month, that that helps too. But mm-hmm. it's mainly how I felt when I first saw it. Yeah. I think that people, I think there's something we talk about it a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, the theater experience. Is something that has to be maintained. It it has throughout time, 
I think there should be an equivalent of you getting out of your house and watching a movie in a room with people you don't know <laughs> in the dark that creates a different experience. Mm -hmm. it, it's a collective feeling of like, you know, hate or love or in between that's created through these experiences that has to be maintained. It has to be maintained. It, it doesn't matter how, how advanced, if Netflix starts getting day after movies or the day of, they still should, there still should be a place where you can see these things under those circumstances. Because I these these experiences that I'm seeing for the last six or so are a reminder of how much I love theater. What it is, yeah, yeah, what mm -hmm. it is and what it means to me. So yeah, yeah, cool. Well, any other thoughts about the year that was before we start? No, I think some that's specifics it. here. So we just rattle in these first. We're five gonna off. we're gonna basically yes. If people have been listening to the show every year. Um, then they've noticed that we've, we've blossomed. <laughs> I think the initial idea was these episodes, we would talk about our top fives. Yeah. And then we would also mention what our, our, our 10 through 6 or 6 through 10 would be. Okay. And then we got to the point where we started talking in detail about 6 through 10 as well. So I think this year we're going to try to scale that yeah, back I'm not by being brisk. Gonna... But if you have anything to say or anything new you want to add about one of those movies you're rattling off, feel free. Don't feel like you have to speed read it. Okay. But yeah, you know, let's, let's, let's get through our, our 10 through 6s in, as quickly as possible. And then we'll delve into our, our top fives. Okay. So who wants to break the ice? Huh. Why don't you go, John? All right, I'll I'll do it. <laughs> Knock it out. I'll do it. Um, all right. See how this goes. <clears throat> Number ten, the lobster. Hold on. I think I feel like I used that. Did I use that last year? Did I mention lobster last year? Mm -mm. Fuck. <laughs> because I I was going to last year because it didn't come out in the U.S. It's a weird thing. That's a mm -hmm. weird. There's a weird blur line. No, no. It's a. It's. It is a 2016 no, U.S. release. No, I'm actually release. checking to because I want to mention the director's name. Yeah, and I don't know his okay. name. Okay, so the, guy. that Dog was tooth a guy, right? Yeah. Yeah. So that was a huge issue for this movie because it was going to be in my top ten, but I didn't because I thought I mentioned it last year because it was released. Carry the two. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> 2016 yeah. film. It's it was. A, uh, look. 2016 USA, so yeah. might have come out in an international festival. Okay, or, okay. fuck. All right. But anyway, it, the, the gonna... film uh, directed and co-written by Yorgos Lanthimos. Uh, that is a very unsettling portrait of romance and love. And we were talking in our Worst Of episode about movies that are kind of mean. The Lobster was a kind of a mean movie too, but it was done with such humor and wit and intelligence. I feel like the chilliness and the emotional distance was part of it. Yeah. So, it's a great movie. Man. My number nine. Uh, a film that I would love to see a sequel to, but I don't think we'll get to. The Nice Guys. Mm, that's a good one. Um, and a total underperformer in terms yeah. of box office. Like a, a, a reasonably inexpensive movie that failed to make back its meager budget. Wasn't yeah. it like $30, million 30 or something? something yeah. um, and then my number eight, a movie that... Talk about one that I was sure was going to be in my top five, and then it just had to make way for some other movies. It, it, got, it got tooted down the, the list. Uh, Green Room. That's my number eight. My number seven is really the only big tentpole movie on the list. It was a movie that really did, like, it hit all the marks for me when I went to go see it. It was exciting. It, I still look back on it as one of the better, like, big blockbusters I've seen. Uh, uh, Captain America Civil War. Such, okay. such a good, big, like, such a great example of a big movie 
done right, you know? And you can argue about the, whether the Marvel movies are cinematic or whether the individual films stand on their own. I don't care. This movie was the culmination of so much yeah. shit over the last few years, and they did it beautifully. And it, it, it made the characters deeper, more affecting emotionally, and juggled more, like, arcs and cool moments than any movie like this that I can think of. Uh, and then rounding out my uh, 10 to 6 is number 6, Kubo and the Two Strings, a movie that really seemed like it was going to be in my top five, but it's great it, just, it just knocked down a slot. But, I mean, it's we're getting into these movies that I feel like I could just, pretty much any of the movies I just mentioned except for The Lobster, Nice Guys, Green Room, Civil War, Kubo, if you were to say, do you want to watch sure. X, I could, I could watch them right now. The Lobster, I'd have to get myself ready. I have to make sure my wife still loved me and have a stiff drink. <laughs> <laughs> so there you go. Who wants to go ahead, Ronald? Ronald's having has, has this lobster thing. Ronald's really, having lobster hey, thing like, fucked me yeah. up, man. Because I I legitimately was gonna put that. We up. know that you love it. Okay, all right. Yeah, it's 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 there somehow. So I have a heart. conflict about nine, and I I'm talking about movies we love. Okay. Ten. Yeah. Train to Busan. Ah. One of the best. It is the best zombie movie I've ever seen. Let's let's get that clear. Because the best. The the best because it it does a little bit of everything. It does comedy really well. It does drama really well. And it makes a sense of hopelessness feel real. And that's not done very well all the time. I think that just a lot of zombies isn't enough. Mm-hmm. There has to be a sense of dread. There has to be something that kind of defines this situation and makes it as scary as possible given the circumstances. And it be, it being on a train, for one, and it going <laughs> on and off the train, yeah. and then some of the things that happen, some of the conflicts that happen, the friendships that happen along the way, I thought it was one of the best zombie movies I'd ever seen. What it does so well is, like, you care about... The characters, yes. like, and I didn't like the main character at first. He like but, didn't. Like, yeah, but it does yeah. such a good job. Yeah, at like, yeah, at, yeah, of yeah. winning you over. The yeah. only thing about Train to Busan, I thought that like if it had been in English, it some of the stuff would have been a little too sappy. Sometimes when something yeah. is in another language, I'll put up with like really sappy dialogue. But I thought like when the daughter was saying to him like. You only care about yourself. Mommy said so. <laughs> I felt like that was a little too on the nose, yeah. but what the movie did from a technical standpoint was yeah. so impressive that I was loving the, like you were saying, the moving from train to train. That yeah. It just never stopped. So, yeah, very, very, very cool movie. Come on, Ronald. I'm conflicted about nine because nine is. What's conflicting? I mean, is there something. It's comic. It's two comic book movies. I have to choose one mm-hmm. because. because... I'm going to have to say Civil War only because I've watched Civil War seven times. Wow. <laughs> seven times. Like seven times all the way through and not thought twice about it. I know. It's so good. Yeah. And and it knocks off one because of that. Yeah. But I have to say it. It, it is my movie. Uh, it, 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 I hate that I love it so much that because it's in the Marvel world and whatever <laughs> Disney's thing is that they're doing where they it's like they're they're crowdsourcing the information and creating this good thing it's mm-hmm. it's but they're doing it so well uh civil war is my number nine number eight hunt for the wilder people mm-hmm. is it wilder people wilder people um number seven is wiener the one of the better documentaries i've seen in a really long time 
I don't think that I've ever seen something where somebody's allowed someone to capture them and expose so much of their personality and and be it's so such an unflinching look at a human being that I've never seen before. It felt very like why the fuck would he ever so, let anybody so do cringy? This? I think that's what so we talked it, about yeah. when yeah. we when we saw this movie originally was like the access is unbelievable. Yeah. But what did Wiener think they were making? Right. Well, like, I don't I, get I remember, it. I've listened to an interview with the filmmakers and like I guess it all started when he was like rerunning, and then it went to shit again. Mm. So like that's the point where they're shocked that like they let he would let them continue filming. Yeah. You know what I yeah. mean? Like the access was there because of like right, right. the new campaign, but like even building the like he was like right he was rebuilding his reputation exactly. kind of. Yeah. Exactly. That, there's your story, yeah. right? Yeah. No, the story is wow. he keeps doing this stuff. Yeah, and it's it, it great, shows great a, a level of vulnerability I've just I've just never seen in a thing before. Sure. Um, so now my number six is a political thriller that got no love. I've, I didn't hear anything about it after I saw it. Eye in the Sky is fucking amazing. Mm -hmm. It does, for political drama, what... I, I don't think I've ever seen a movie that explains conflict in politics the way that this movie does and executes it this well, as quickly as it does, in a way that's not boring at all. Creates a sense of dread and fear and seeing all the emotions... Aaron Paul acting his ass off. Mm -hmm. um, it's just a really, uh, really well done movie. And I feel like it's it's not... Why doesn't anybody talk about this movie? It's great. It's yeah. really good. Uh, I don't know. Why doesn't... I, I was like... I saw it and well, it, I was it, like, one of, floored, It was man. like one of those things that like got such a like rolled out limited release. Yeah, never really... I think that's what it was. I watched the movie and my mind was blown. I did. I, I felt like it was a secret that... I, I was talking to people about it. They never heard of it. Mm -hmm. I yeah. did, did you ever see A Good Kill? No. Ethan no. Hawke? Mm -mm. It's like it's very it's similar, similar about these like remote drone pilots like oh. the Aaron Paul character. I'd recommend it if you haven't seen okay. it. It's, Let me look it's, that up. it's interesting. It's called A Good Kill. Yeah. Came out last year. Cool. So that was your six, right? Yeah. Yep. All right. So my 10 to six is 10, Green Room, 9, Hunt for the Wilder People, t uh, 8 comes next, is uh, 10, Cloverfield Lane, <laughs> uh, 7 is Manchester by the Sea, Oh. and 6 is Kubo and Two Strings. Oh, wow. Um, the, the only thing I'll add something about, because we haven't really talked about it, um, is Manchester. Um, just to give kudos to... Casey Affleck, like kind of like finally getting like that role, mm -hmm. and I and you kind of I don't even know if we were recording when you mentioned it, but like a fucking sad movie, mm. like so tragically sad and and just bleak in so many ways, but such a like real human movie that like reminds you that like in all that sadness there are like these moments of levity, like there's these moments of humor and like the people of that like new england area like i yeah. just feel like not not being from there or anything but what i understand what i've always had a, a imagined people like that it seemed like like real people like having like a smart ass humor mm -hmm. you know being very blunt and honest and loud and opinionated and but then also like not being like that mm -hmm. and uh so yeah just casey i feel like i thought was incredible in it kyle chandler a uh, smaller role but a very important role mm -hmm. and even um so Lucas Hodge the plays the nephew um, in the film I thought was great um, I haven't seen him in a lot but I thought he was really really good just like a devastating film I mean to be blunt I don't know if it's going to show up on anybody else's list but 
I didn't see it. Devastation, like mm. very, 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 very sad, and like it's in the trailers, like what happens with the brother and Kyle Chandler's character, but um, <clears throat> like having a brother and like seeing that shit is like it fucked me up watching mm-hmm. it, and like there's a moment with Casey Affleck when he, you know, comes back to town to acknowledge what's happened. That's like is so emotional like mm-hmm. it's making me goosey a little thinking about it but mm. it's a really really important scene and uh it's a it's a really such a well-written film too that i hope it gets some sort of love at the oscars because like i more movies like this need to be made and mm. like put out and, and it's kind of a cool thing for amazon studios it's like could be one of their first wins and mm-hmm. you know uh, oh, wow. uh, the nominees for oscar films and things like that so and it's cool that amazon you know, we talk about Netflix all the time, but this Amazon Studios thing yeah. and getting these movies into theaters, like a release like they did for Manchester by the Sea, um, is like a platform type of thing that's kind of cool and new. And I think that's Netflix will, will adjust to that, especially if Manchester gets acknowledgement because Netflix kind of tried it last year with, uh, what was it called? Um, Beast of the Nation. Yeah. And, and it, you know, it didn't, failed. It, it didn't yeah. you know. So, I mean, I think this is a better film, but it's just... Uh, there's a little side conversation about it. it's really cool how Amazon's like doing this film. So, um, does it mean they're gonna they're gonna get it pretty quickly? I don't know what the I don't know what the turnaround window uh, is, uh, but I'm sure that's like built into it somehow. I mean, you know, I, I'd imagine it would be. Mm. And then yeah, then six was Cubo. Cool. Um, so that's it. So let's go. Uh, my number five is a movie that. Um, speaking of movies that can kind of fart their way up and down the list. Uh, Swiss Army Man is a movie that just farted its way okay. right into my heart. Um, and this was one where, when I was talking about that earlier decision about what goes on the list and what doesn't, when mm-hmm. I thought about watching this movie again, I got a smile on my face. This character, Hank, wants to kill himself. <laughs> that doesn't quite go according to plan. And then immediately he meets Manny, a, uh, a farting, seemingly magical corpse, who sort of acts like a regular corpse for much of the movie, but also, you know, there's a there's a whole relationship that grows there. And I think when we first saw it, I know you and I were talking about just how good Daniel Radcliffe was yeah. in a role that could have easily... You just don't even think about that role. It almost seems like, why is he taking the role of, obviously, a guy who's just going to be sitting there dead the whole time? But he brought so much yeah, yeah. to that face, to that lack of emotion, that lack of expression. And then when they do get sort of motion into the character later and he's moving around and he's kind of coming to terms with what he's lost. I found that to be incredibly poignant um, uh, with regards to just, you know, if you've died, no matter who you are, the things you've left behind, the life that you might not remember, what it's like to be alive. Those were things that that were very, again, unexpectedly sweet in a movie that had a lot of style, um, a great Paul Dano performance. Uh, He's a, you know, I shouldn't be surprised anymore when he turns in a great performance. Um, but yeah, it had all of those things, the kind of un- the discomfort of the sort of gross comedy and the emotional side, um, just a very unlikely mix that I think, uh, I mean, I can't think of another movie that I would slot next to it as far as those things go, as far mm. as being like equally puerile and gross and, and inspiring and the way that it kind of deals with sort of the idea of like accepting humanity in all of its facets um, that yes, at some point we 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 all will be farting corpses, you know, yeah. if we're lucky, if we're not incinerated. <laughs> right. uh, so, uh, um, uh, yeah, just unexpected, funny, c- kind of heartbreaking. I yeah. I almost I can't really describe this movie, but I think it exists to be to be undescribable. So great movie, Swiss Army Man. Oh, it's my turn. Yep, I'm going like this. Uh, right? Number five 
was a movie that I expected to be exciting. Um, it has a color name in it. It has a color in it. And I like colors. Uh, colors. Colors. <laughs> colors. Colors. Green Room. Yeah. Green Room represented something really neat to me. And that's the idea of like... Uh, the, the director does a really good job of creating this world that has a, a pretty decent size to it and then makes it smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller. And that sense of dread that feels like a horror film mm -hmm. that's like mostly thriller. Sure. That feels a lot like a horror film that I enjoyed so much in the theater. Uh, I remember my girlfriend closing her eyes, covering her eyes when it got a little rough. Um, and it felt like almost like in a lot of ways, like Scarface in the way that, you know, that violence was implied, but not always shown. Mm hmm. And it still felt jarring in a, in a lot of ways. I kind of wish they showed some of the stuff. That's, but... say, that's the only one of the only areas where it's not so much like it fell apart, but one of the only areas where I think it could have had more impact for me yeah. would have been to see a little bit more of right. the result right. of these attacks that were happening. Right. It almost felt to me like one of those movies I used to read about in Fangoria when I was a kid, and they would show all the gore mm -hmm. and how they did it. And then you go see the movie, and in order to get an R rating, they would have had to have cut out almost all of the gore. Yep. Yeah. This felt like a movie that uh, had cut out. I mean, I don't know that they right, shot right, it and right. cut it out, but that's what it felt like to me. However, that's a that's a blemish on an otherwise, I mean, an experience that the real po potency of it comes yeah. from certain movie, performances. Man. Like Patrick Stewart is incredible in that. Yeah. Um, and I think we've all commented on how we like the ending, the way that ending plays Love out. It. It's just yeah. so un un uncomfortable and and yeah. uncinematic in a way, you know? It just felt very real. Like, you, 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 you have all these people function, villains like that function in their best environment. And his was the dark. And then when that shroud was taken away from him, He's just a regular dude. Yeah, he's just a dude. He's just a dude. He's just a dude. It's like that... my favorite line of dialogue, I think, all year. Yeah. You're a lot less scary in the light or something yeah, like it's, that. It's right? so oh, good. It's so good. So, yeah, that, that that was... Everybody was good in that movie. It wasn't anybody in it that was like, ah, oh, this person. I Pour love... one out for Yelchin. Yeah. Man, that's sad. Man, it is truly. super sad, man. All right, so that was my pick. Your number five, Steve. Number five. Uh, My number five is actually... So I think we can all probably say this. Getting into these top five, it's like it feels like you could mix up any of these. Yes. Yeah. Order wise, absolutely. absolutely. My top three in particular are, yeah. are all sort of neck and neck. Yeah. I, I just want to make sure everybody knows that. Like we're getting to the cream of the crop. Like this is probably the hardest part. Is like talking about that. Like whole. How did I measure this? Like, yeah. and I try to think back to like in the theater, kind of experience, and uh, and these five all like uniquely. Uh, not that I didn't with my six through ten, but like I can, you know, that theater experience, that just like initial hit to me afterwards, is kind of what placed them into my top five. So that said, uh, I'm just clarifying. For yeah. all this. I'm sorry. That said, uh, I'm like drifting away from the microphone, yeah. like the <laughs> shy. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Uh, my number five. Steve, uh, no wonder things didn't work out with your band. You, you're afraid know, of microphones. Like, I know. It must have been so frustrating for your band. Let me turn around. Uh, look at the back of my head. Um, I didn't mean to imply things didn't work out with your band. It, it that was just a joke. It ended, it ended years back. It went nowhere. Um, 
Fuck. Yeah, my number five pick is um, a movie. <laughs> I'm so like thrown off right now. I had like my thoughts all together about what I wanted to say right. about this, and it's got blurred. And um, my number five movie is one of the most recent films that I've seen. Um, and that movie is called Lion. Um, oh, it's, uh, I didn't see that one. Yeah, so like I'd heard a lot about the movie. I got a really good recommendation from a friend of mine, and um, it was one of the last ones I saw before doing this episode that I just knew I had to see it. The story really is intriguing. It's a true story of a young Indian boy who basically gets like separated from his brother one night and, you know, through these crazy situations, like ends up on a train going across the country and in so many days is adopted by an Australian family or so many months, years later, mm-hmm. is adopted by uh, an Australian family living in Tasmania. And um, it's basically just about how that kid grows up and becomes a, a Dev Patel. And he plays the older version uh, of Saru and, you know, basically starts on this effort to find his birth family. Mm -hmm. And it's just a really uh, well-written, well-made, well-paced, well-cast, super, super inspiring, It's super sad, but super inspiring human spirit. Like, what... Like check check like it makes me like what check myself like what do I have to complain about in yeah, life? Yeah. What do I have to be thankful for in life? Yeah. It's like that kind of movie, you know, where it truly makes you check yourself, mm. appreciate the people that you have around you, and value those things that you probably take for granted every day, which we right. all do, whether or not we will admit it, we do, and we try not to, but it happens. And just like the emotional journey that the character goes on, like from the from the point of uh, meeting him as a young child and the actor um, I think it's Sonny Anwar who plays the, the child version of mm-hmm. Saru is incredible we always yeah. talk about like kid actors and yeah. you know sometimes it's great sometimes it's not he is so good like and he's so emotive and like you just completely latch onto this kid and like want things to be okay for him mm. and uh, it's just a great film and uh, you know like there's these emotional scales that, you know, I, I'm tried to reference before saying the name of the movie, like that you, that at least I try to like gauge as I'm watching a movie. Emotionally, I don't know this year that I like was as emotionally like touched watching a movie. Right. There, There is one film that maybe got me more and I'll be talking about it a little later, but it's like there's so much emotional spirit in this film. You know, the idea of like finding your family Mm. and finding out what happened, you know, and things like that. Even to the point like where I'm telling Erin what it's about the night that I saw because she couldn't come with me. Like telling her what the story was, like I was getting emotional, like basically crying, telling Mm. her about it. It's that kind of thing. And uh, it's based on the guy's autobiography, I believe. And I I would love to read it to find out more. But... um, the filmmaker's name is his first feature film. He did, um, it's Garth something. I try to remember his last name. He did a, um, a bunch of episodes. Did you ever see Top of the Lake? No, no. The, the series with Elizabeth Moss. No. It's like a mystery drama. Oh, he I did, like Elizabeth Moss. Yeah, he did, um, Garth Davis. He did a bunch of the episodes of that series, um, with Jane, um, Campion. But this is like his first feature film. But okay. I mean, for being a first film, like I was totally in love with it and uh, highly recommended and absolutely loved 
lion. So that's my number five. Wow. That's one that I definitely, like, I had no idea what it was even about. Yeah. Except I heard people saying, oh, my God, I cried my eyes out at this movie. That Mm. was absolute. And and when I saw it, there was a good amount of people in the theater. And you could, I mean, collectively. Yeah. You know, like, you know. (laughs) A lot of of, of shaking. But but, but it's not not contrived. It's not, like, cheap. Like, you truly care about this kid, this this guy that just, like, this horrible thing happened to. And not just him, mm-hmm. but you care about his family and his brother who he was with when he was separated. Mm. And, like, these things that you come back to and learn more about and the emotional heft of it is just, like, so heavy on you to find out what happened. And, um, you know, it's just really, really great movie. Mm. So, yeah, Lion. All right, my number four is a film that I saw at the Maryland Film Festival earlier this year. And then I immediately jumped on to the Twitter feed of the director, Anna Biller. I say director, but she's really the auteur behind the movie. And it's the first time in a while that I've seen a movie that was so authored by one person. I mean, she writes, directs, she does set design, costume design. I think she has a hand in the music. She is very hands-on with every aspect of the movie. So it's like, we refer to some people as auteurs, but this is a person who really did, you know, have her, not just her, have a hand in, but like her aesthetic. Everything about this movie is so deliberate. Based on the subject matter, like I think this is a way that she wants to relate to a certain kind of imagery, a certain kind of burlesque imagery, a certain kind of, uh, uh, you know, like... There's a color scheme that's very rich. There's a lighting scheme that, that, again, it might remind you of older things. It might be nostalgic for some people as far as a cinematic style, but I don't think the movie is really dealing with anything on the level of a pastiche. But like, if you see a certain color scheme and you think, oh, 60s, 70s, exploitation film, I see what they're doing. It's a goof. You know, then you're not digging deep enough into this movie. And I did see countless reviews that would would seemingly, you know, love the movie, but then would throw in something about she's clearly trying to throw back to this sort of thing. And then having seen on Twitter her sort of battling this perception, it, wow. it became really compelling to me. And it was not hard at all to imagine that maybe the fact that this is a very feminist movie is part of the reason why people want to kind of put it in a box, you know, yeah. to say she's doing a, a retro style thing rather than saying, no, she's sort of depicting the inner life of a sort of woman who's kind of a slave to love and she keeps wanting to find true love but she finds these shallow men who only want to get into her pants yeah it really got me to thinking about gender politics in a way that i hadn't seen in a while mm-hmm. and it really got me to thinking about particularly that male gaze and how even movies that focus on a female protagonist a lot of times are filtered through what a man thinks of a woman whether in a paternal way or in a sexual way whatever but like in a sense of treating women like what they how they matter is what they mean to a man Mm. you know and i think movies have a real history of i mean a lot of the movies that i've probably had on my list earlier in this or that i love from last year have those problems so a movie that really got me to thinking about that aspect of being a man that like we are so driven by like visual delights and we want to get our hands on some flesh you know and we want to be hugged and coddled and told oh baby everything's okay and this movie really kind of pokes fun at that notion of like the guy who's like so i'm so horny and i'm i'm so pent up my emotions are so strong and mm-hmm. this woman comes along and is like oh poor baby oh you poor and you realize it's like wait a minute why why do i need sympathy because i can't control my sexual urges or why yeah. do i deserve sympathy because i can't control my anger um 
it's a really interesting feminist approach to this subject matter. I don't know that I've actually untangled everything this film has to offer. I, I've only seen it the one time, but I, I think any movie that you see in the spring and you're still thinking about it yeah. come December, really interesting movie, and I think that people will be talking about it probably for, for years to come. Cool. So, The Love Witch. Love Witch. Um, so, this one is heavy for me, real heavy, for a lot of reasons. So, um, a couple months ago, I listened to a podcast called Historically Black, um, where the National Museum for African American History and Culture collected a bunch of information. Like, they basically took submissions. There's like anybody that has pieces of history that have to do with African American history, submit it. A lady submitted a picture of her grandmother working for NASA. And um, it was basically a piece of a story to the movie uh, Hidden Figures, um, which is incredible. The, the story is incredible. But it also aligns with my life. Uh, my mom is in the sciences and works for the National Science Foundation. And watching her work from nothing, from cleaning out tanks at the Baltimore Aquarium to now being in the National Science Foundation um, is proof that despite these amazingly terrible biases that exist for African-Americans, let alone an African-American woman working their way up in the system is insane, mm -hmm. insane. And I heard about it and my mom didn't complain at all. Like I can think off the top of my head, like two times in my life that she even expressed any sort of like thing that had to do with any racial anything mm -hmm. ever. Mm -hmm. It's fucking insane. So this movie comes out about this group of women, uh, these three human computers that were amazingly qualified that had to deal with all this stuff. And I was expecting a tone to this movie that I thought would be kind of typical of these movies, like very hard, depressing. And I didn't get that. What I got was this experience that felt very real and this family that you almost feel a part of as you're watching it, mm -hmm. no matter how you, you know, how different you may be from these women. I can't, I can't relate in a lot of ways, right. but to feel like you're part of this family and it's fun and, but still a struggle to it. There's a real struggle to it. There's a real realness to it. There's a very hard reality that these women had to face on a regular basis that I, I you know, I couldn't even imagine. But it was presented in a way that was fun and educational and still felt like it didn't, it wasn't watered down. And I don't know how it did that, mm -hmm. given the circumstances and the subject, and still feels like a movie that I want to show anybody, anybody that has a heart, yeah. <laughs> that has an idea of like, people talk about coming up and, and picking themselves up by their bootstraps. But people don't have to deal with these sorts of handicaps. Right. These social, economic handicaps that exist for people. So as a person that has a, a, a mom that had to work their way up in the sciences and seeing this movie, I felt something incredible as I watched it. Sure. Yeah. So it's a great film. It's a great film, man. It's, it's, it's so fun. It is like it's, it's one of it's one watch. of like the most perfect of 2016, it's probably one of the most perfect crowd-pleasing films yeah, in yeah. terms of like the idea of telling a very important story, right. great performances, great casting, great writing, great pe great pacing, a balance of drama, 
biopic, some comedy, you know, little bits. Um, there's there's really little to complain about about Hidden Figures. It's on my also ran list, like honorable mentions. Yeah. Um, but it is. Inc- what are we talking about? Hidden fences or hidden figures? <laughs> yeah, hidden figures. How how stupid? I mean, how bad is that, guys? It's twice. It's so it's proof that like there's just a. D- Man, we can go on for the. Well, I, I, I actually, I, I, it's did, horrible. Let's just yeah, say it's yeah, horrible. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, just saying the, what that points to is so ridiculous. The it fact is. that people only have room in their mind for yes, one absolutely. one Oscar bait film starring black people in a year. <laughs> yeah, it's got to be the same movie, it's right? Insane, yeah. Anyway. The funny thing is, like, Fences is Oscar bait. Yeah. Like, Hidden Figures is straight up, like, mass audience. Mm-hmm. This movie is a no. massive hit. Like, it's number one at the box office. It really is, like, an example of, like, there's nothing to complain about. Like, some movies you may see, some movies that we have on our list, like, we love these films, but you would probably say, I don't know that I'd recommend this movie to everybody. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. It's probably the best example of a movie on any of our lists that you could literally tell anybody to go see. Yeah. And I dare you to say that there's something that you don't enjoy like it's truly engaging it's fun it's it's quick yeah it's got great performances the music's fun i mean it's just there's 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 nothing wrong with that film yeah that's great it's it's it's, i was thinking about that the other day because like there's a lot of films that i thought would make my list and Mm -hmm. like when i was um like kind of going and kind of rearranging some things there was like specifically one that got pushed right out of the top 10 that I thought would be on it. I'm not going to mention what it is because I feel like you guys will. But <laughs> but my point is is that I, I I recommended it to a couple people and I was like hesitant to like, are they going to enjoy that film or not? And it's like one of the, and it's made me aware of the idea of movies on these lists. Like you can't recommend every movie to every person. You can't. You know, it's like, yeah. and that's really, it's really sad in some ways, but I understand it because things on my list maybe not on yours or like yeah, on yeah. the person down the street from me. But it's a really important thing. You do for a like, podcast with the person down the street. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> from like for for the listeners like to understand. Like I'm just trying to back his choice. I I, I almost had it in my top ten, but like Hidden Figures is like a it is a genuinely like special thing. Yeah, because I I truly back that like I dare somebody to say that they did not at least really like hidden figures right, mm-hmm. right. like the movie has a one of the rarest things is a, a, i think it got an a plus cinescore rating like which is very rare that's mm. awesome though. you know what i mean and that is like a telltale thing of like the audiences and if you look at the demos going to see this film yeah it's a special movie it's yeah. a really special film and it's it's big for taraji because i feel like taraji was getting into this sort of batch of things that kind of felt similar kind of like versions of her character from the the movie of uh, the show empire right and for her to take on this role and her to be so good she's so fucking good yeah, in this movie I, I i loved it so well, i'm really glad to hear that. that it's great beyond great just being a movie that needed to be made for all those other sort of you know demographic reasons that it's a story that hasn't been told yeah and it's a story that you haven't seen done i was happy it existed but yeah. to hear that it's actually a great movie that's it's a great I, movie i think for i know sure. what i'm seeing next, for sure so yeah. Uh, my number four is a movie we talked about a few times. It didn't stick on your list, but it hung out on mine at number four. It's uh, David McKenzie's Hell or High Water. Mm. Um, it's like that thing where like I saw this movie like a month or two before it came out, and like I knew zero. Yeah, you know what I mean. So it's like you go in, and I and that's so rare for us now these days to have that experience. We I think even saw a trailer. Like I don't know yeah. if you remember, we watched that trailer like so long before yeah, that. Yeah. We were like, like, this looks pretty cool. This looks cool. Yeah. And then all of a sudden I'm like watching it. And I'm like, oh, that's that trailer we were talking about. Yeah. And uh I just absolutely loved this like 
modern, like, Texas crime drama, Western-type movie. Great performances by Chris Pine, who I think is slowly becoming more and more, like... Yeah nuanced and like legitimately a good actor like and he will i think that will continue over the years to come ben foster always gives a great performance um but a lot of the chemistry between him those two but also between jeff bridges and gil birmingham as the like kind of sheriff's deputies that are like on their trail Mm -hmm. um these parallel relationships that are going at the same time uh between siblings and friends and co-workers were just really fun to watch the 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 narrative that it's built around in terms of like these brothers who have this plan to steal money back from a bank that basically stole their house from them yeah is fucking great yeah, like, it's like the, the way that unfolds yeah. there's like a mystery yeah. behind what they're doing and and how and and that is yeah it's really fun to watch that happen and um probably like the best in my opinion of the year like the last like three minutes of the movie like oh, one of the, one of the best closeouts of a film for me between Bridges and that's a like full on western Pine. right there. Oh, the absolutely. Way it ends. It's just these guys. Like, are... Maybe I'll find you. Yeah, you know, whatever that line <laughs> was. Like, I love that that last three minutes um, when you kind of see he's like giving the money to his ex wife and he's just there to help build the farm for her. He's not mm-hmm. even really there. Yeah. yeah, just like I I loved it, and that's that's something like I've watched it like three times now. And it's still movie, still holds up. I love that film. I definitely would watch so it. So Hell or High Water number four for me. All right. Well. <clears throat> my number three uh, I'm not going to belabor this too much because I f- have a feeling that it might be on at least one other person's list but you kind of referred to this just now when you yeah. were talking about the cast uh, of Hidden Figures but um, Moonlight man wow what a movie and like how they made a movie out of these moments that are so small and so specific and yet it blossoms and it culminates and the structure of the film taking you through different stages of this person's life and i remember we had a a, when i had just seen it you and i had a little text conversation back and forth and i was just saying that like the notion of like figuring out who you're who you are who you're gonna be most of us that's just like an on i mean you know you watch a movie you get a chance to maybe watch these little moments where someone takes a turn in your own life those moments may you may miss those moments but you still experience those changes sure so this movie just got you to thinking, like at different points, whether your specifics relate to this person's journey, to uh, Chiron's journey, mm-hmm. uh, also known as Little, in his early life, and what was it he went by later? Black. Black. Yeah, like so. Oh, we yeah. see that he's got like well, when he's a kid, they call him Little. Yeah. Okay, and a friend of his says, "I'm going to call you Black." Yeah. Well, later in life, he's using the name Black. Yeah. In between, he goes by Chiron. Yeah. We also see that in the end of his uh, journey, at least as far as the movie is concerned, he's taken on some of the characteristics of someone who kind of stood in, not quite a father figure, but someone who was a real influence on him when he was little. So the movie takes these moments and breaks it into these chapters, and you see the development, and you play a little bit of catch-up with each chapter to find out what happened since, what's the specifics of this scenario, who's still around, who's gone. But more so, the way that the movie hinges on that question of your identity and who you are, and and all the paths you could take i mean not just as a man uh as any person but in this movie it's a very specific thing to be a young black man who is gay in this environment and what that means and very early in the film there's an exchange about that uh with uh with our new favorite uh mahershala Mahershala. ali um what's his character's name in this again juan juan when juan sits down at the table with chiron and chiron asks him uh, 
about himself being gay and like what people say about him yeah and am i this and there's a moment where you are wondering like what is this man gonna say to this kid because we've seen the harsh reality of this kid's life is he gonna say something that builds this kid up or is he gonna say something that tears him down even more that tension is so specific and so powerful. Yeah, it is. And it rem- I mean, and like, I don't want to ruin how that scene goes, but I, it took my breath away how that scene went. And then later in the film, there's a moment where Chiron is talking to his childhood friend, Kevin, um, and he says something, he talks about something that you realize the question you've been wondering, he, the character's been bottling this up inside him for so long. The notion of like being brave enough to say something in that moment, to say how what's the one meant to you, and to, especially for someone who has built this whole image on yeah. like maybe hiding that vulnerability, I I, I mean that moment I, I don't know how they did it I don't know how the I don't know how you make an, a movie that's almost two hours long and it hinges on a quiet um, exchange not even a big melodramatic exchange but just a In person show yeah, yeah just a yeah. person showing vulnerability yeah. and the way it comes out and the way you see the reaction on his friend's face you see the importance of of that and it may, i don't know, it makes you think about your own life people that meant something to you that that put you on a path yeah. that you never thanked and you can't think or people that maybe they didn't mean to help you and, and in the long run they still affected you yeah. um and he, so here we have this man this grown man in the end who his identity we see that everything about it is like an amalgam of different things he picked up from different people influence of different people um it's all a facade in a way you know, like we see him in that last act of the film and we're like, I don't know if that's the same person that little was. I don't know if that's really him. But then you look at yourself and you go like, have you ever seen like a picture of yourself as a kid? Yeah. And had this weird emotional reaction of like, oh my God, I was just a sweet kid. I was yeah. just this innocent, dopey person. Yeah. Right. And I've been knocked around and now we have this. <laughs> you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. But you think back to the innocence of that, and especially having a kid who's like, you know, he's nine and you know he's about to start having some of those experiences that are really going to put him on a path. Yeah. Um, different from what his mom and I can do for him. It's, man, it's moving and it's powerful. And the specifics of it seem very important, but the generalities of it are so awe inspiring. I just, yeah. I just think, I don't know how you make a movie like this. I really don't. I mean, I know you get great actors and certain things can happen and it's a little bit of magic, but yeah. how do you conceive of a thing like this? Right. I, I don't know. I just, I just, yeah, it wrecked me. So Moonlight, Barry Jenkins, who I don't know any of his other work. I, I wonder if I should follow him. Or... He's got like one other film, right? Like, like eight years I ago. I'm trying to be quiet about this oh, stuff. Yeah. But yeah, um, that's like one of my favorite movies of all time. What? Like, Moonlight. Just, the first one. What was it called? Uh, Medicine for Melancholy. Yeah, yeah, that's it. I don't want to talk about it. All right, your number three. <laughs> <laughs> uh, my number three is one of the one of, one of the movies I watched. Watched it up front. I was like, "All right, so that's a movie." Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, all right, I went home and I thought about it every day, five maybe five or six times a day. La La Land, and I I think there's something about. It's something about what love does to us. I, all right, so let me let me say this before I talk about how much I like this movie. It lacked soul. <laughs> it lacked some soul. And even it lacking soul, I still loved it as much as I'm going to talk about it. The soundtrack, I loved Whiplash. That soundtrack was incredible. And then 
I don't really like musicals. So we still, I, just not to interject, but we still love Whiplash, right? Yeah, love Whiplash. Doesn't it seem like yeah. there was a backlash against that movie? Doesn't it seem like people started... I feel like I saw a lot of people talking smack about how the guy, how Damien Chazelle didn't know anything about jazz and how this oh, yeah, kind of yeah. teacher really wouldn't be... Too, you yeah, really, yeah. really really wouldn't help you. But I don't think the movie mm. came down on the side of saying you should admire J.K. Simmons's character yeah. as right. a teacher. Right, right, right. So I feel like he became great despite this guy more so than because of him. So, anyway. Yeah. Um, Gosling um, and Emma. Man, Gosling. I don't know, man. I, 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 a year I don't ago, much... I don't think I had this opinion of Gosling. After La La Land and The Nice Guys, yeah. though, I'm, I'm, I'm like in, I'm in the bag for Gosling. I'm excited about Blade Runner now. Yeah, I, I don't know, man. Like, there's, there's a thing where like, I was trying to think, how would a person that loved a person enough, how would they express that? Um, I had this idea when I was a kid that I wanted to write the story about this girl that I really loved. And I didn't know how to do it. It, and okay, so I did this podcast, so I really like this girl. And to talk to her, I think I've told you this story before. To talk to this girl that was in Africa, I made a podcast to communicate to her solely for that purpose. It was it was a playlist of 10 or so songs. And that's how I talked to her, to a person that was all the way across the world. And I think about like, what love does to us and how you feel about things and that weird aching that you have mm -hmm. and how you meet clay aching. <laughs> that clay aching and you meet people and have all these interactions and despite that sometimes you don't end up with them mm -hmm. and does that mean that it does, it's not special does that mean that no it means that it is a part of your life that's always going to be there with you and sometimes uh, you watch things that remind you of that. That remind you of the things that you go through, the the weird pains, the ups and downs, and the conflicts that you have. And I think that this movie captures something about relationships and the the achy feeling that you get when you think about it. Yeah. The, especially like if you listen to the first song, it literally tells you the plot of the movie. Mm -hmm. And then when you watch what happens and when that moment happens at the end when he's playing the piano, the same song that kind of the thread throughout the movie, you feel that feeling like, fuck, I've been that person before. Yeah. You know, you think about a thing one time, you're like, oh, man. It feels like a million lifetimes ago. And I think that not very many movies express that as well as this movie does. And those moments, like I have my problems with that movie I have but, a ton of but, problems. But with it. the moments that stick with me are some of the most like pure filmmaking moments yeah. that I can think of, and particularly with regards to like what you're talking about. Those little simple, like yeah. when you when you're first allowing yourself to like somebody, yeah, and you're figuring out whether you can trust your feelings with this person. Right. There's a moment in the movie where he thinks he's been stood up. And then she shows up in the most cinematic way possible in the middle of a of course, movie. And he's in a dark theater and he sees her lit by the projector yeah. and his face lights up. That moment sticks with me. I mean, as far as moments that got me, that moment got me so hard. I was like, oh, I remember that feeling of being yeah. like, I mean, I, I mean, obviously, I'm, yes. I, you know, I love my wife and I, every time yeah. I see her, I fall in love again. But I remember that feeling of, <laughs> she doesn't listen to this podcast. But no, I'm just saying, I remember that feeling of when we started dating and like those little clues that like this person likes me back or this person's yeah. cool enough to talk to sure. a second time or I can like, they remember that odd thing I told them and you get this little like, they might turn their back and you might get this little like, 
like yes kind of moment of yeah. like oh my god i can't believe not so much i landed this person but i can't believe i'm here in this moment enjoying this time with this person i feel like that la la land really made me think about that really made yeah. me appreciate that idea of finding somebody yeah. and making a connection and then on top of that i think that i have to admit some of the songs have actually stuck with me i've been humming them and I was like, okay, that was one of my critiques coming out of that was, was it really that solid as a musical? Yeah. And I think at least three of the songs are very solid songs because I can yeah. hum them, I can, I can remember them. Um, I don't know, very interesting movie. Part of me wonders if, there's, if we'll ever get to see a movie like this that is made with like real hoofers and dancers and singers, like people who really can do it. Because yeah. this is like, yeah. I feel like I've seen several musicals now that trade on that. Well, they don't have to be great singers or great dancers. Like I think Emma Stone actually has a pretty good voice, and Ryan Gosling has a serviceable voice. He has a he has a voice. I mean the voice, but it's like the, you're supposed to feel the characters come through, yeah, which you yeah. do. But then you see something like which I did recently watch, uh, Singing in the Rain after Debbie yeah. Reynolds died, and you watch that and you're like, those people are magic. Yeah, like right, right. and she only learned to dance like five weeks before making that movie, and Debbie Reynolds is like smiling. And and every step is she's matching Donald O'Connor and Gene Kelly. Yeah. I mean, those people are that's amazing to yeah. watch. I wonder if we're ever gonna get to see that again. If we're ever gonna get to see people that can really move and really act and really sing, do a straight musical. Yeah. Because this is yet another one of those musicals that says, eh, we're doing a little bit of a goof right. on the musical. It's not quite everyone says I love you, that Woody Allen movie. But that's the other one I can think of where like part of the fun was seeing someone like Ed Norton, who's not really a dancer or a singer, do a musical number. Yeah. This movie was kind of perched on the fence between that, between like traditional musical and modern deconstruction of musical. Right, right. But I don't really view that as a problem. I just think that's one of the things that, you know, that you wonder about with this movie. But no, I thought it was very affecting. And I think everyone like we were having exchanges about it. I was almost down on this movie before I saw it. I didn't want to see a two-hour-plus semi-dramatic romance that was a love letter to Hollywood. I just didn't want to see it. It sounded to me like another movie that Hollywood is going to throw awards at because it's yeah. about Hollywood. Yeah. And then, oh, there's a jazz purist in the film, and he's the white guy. I mean, there were so many things about this just that yeah, had me yeah. rolling my eyes. Absolutely. And then good acting, good filmmaking, good music. It worked a spell. Didn't quite transport me to another world, but it did no, work a spell. No, no, there were... Yeah, yeah. I enjoyed it a lot, a lot. And, and that I, last scene, the montage of like what could have been. <sighs> that, heart, that that's what the movie's heartbreaking. Heart yeah, that's it gets amazing. to that point and it has earned that moment. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's that that whole section's amazing. You know, it's interesting like I I really enjoyed La La Land a lot. Mm -hmm. Talking about like the experience, like the first experience, I think that my experience watching that actually hurt me. Oh, because I don't know if you remember, like the screening we were at, like we had, I had like issues at the screening, uh, like yeah. where when I went into the movie, I feel like I wasn't ready for the movie. Right, you know right, what I mean? Right. Like I feel like that hurt my experience. Aaron hasn't seen it yet, so we're gonna go see it, and I'm hoping maybe seeing it again, like with a fuller heart and like wanting mm -hmm. it. Yeah. Maybe it'll change me a little more towards the positive. I mean, I definitely really enjoyed it, and I love them two in it, and I love the ending. And yeah. the structure, how they make it a... Like, the filmmaking around, like, the musical sequences and things, there's some pretty clever yeah. stuff going on with just how they integrate the... Yeah. How they go from, like, this is a real moment to this is a, the a fantasy number, yeah. moment, yeah. or this is a moment of the heart as opposed to a moment of reality. I even had a friend who I was I was texting with about it, and <clears throat> she said that... The moment that stood out to her was the song that Emma Stone sings at the end about her aunt. And oh, yeah. she was saying that as an aunt who knows at this point she's never going to have kids, mm. that song really hit her. And I was thinking, like, it didn't even, I wasn't even thinking yeah, that someone right. who's an aunt 
<laughs> might see this movie and be affected by that. I think it's probably got lots of little bombs like that for different people in different ways right. where you might watch it and something it can it's going to connect with you, you know. Um, I also think a lot of the criticism, there's been a lot of criticism of this movie thrown at some of the sort of politics of the movie. I think, yeah. I think some people are kind of missing the point. Like I've heard a lot of people complain about the state, the statement it seems to be making about race in the mm. sense that John Legend's character. He was the villain or whatever. Kind of the villain. I've but heard that too. But I don't think it played that way. I, don't I actually don't even think, I don't even think, here's, here's where I am. I don't even think the music he was making was like blatantly Bad. No, I just think it was poppy and mainstream yeah. and accessible. But I don't music. think we were supposed to think this is shitty music. Look, he, he's. I think even the Ryan Gosling character was sort of going like, people like this kind of stuff. Yeah. It takes talent to do it. So to me, to say that be to say that because John Legend's character was just saying let's evolve with pop music, maybe someone who's outside of music. This is going to be a weird thing to say, but maybe someone who's never made music or never been in bands would think, what a damning critique of pop music but if you've made music and you've been in bands that's pragmatism man you might not want to play with some guys just because they have a different attitude about what the potential of music is yeah. that doesn't mean they're idiots and villains right. and you're the hero it just means that he wanted to do one thing and that john legend wasn't doing and even more specifically that he was stuck in the past like yeah. i didn't come away from that going oh we should all be like ryan gosling yeah or we should all be like john legend legend's character but i didn't think i certainly didn't think john legend was a villain for saying no one's coming to this no one's coming to a club to hear traditional jazz now in the end of the movie maybe he's wrong about that but it's still a small club we're still talking about the world of music so i don't know yeah. i felt like that was a it was weird to see a lot of i thought overly pc uh, criticism of this movie yeah i didn't um, agree with that but i also thought that the characters i heard some people saying it was kind of a male uh, you know, a very forgiving to the male character who was such a jerk or whatever. But when I saw the movie, I didn't, I, I was like, where do people, I mean, he's a flawed guy yeah. who in the movie is seen as a very flawed guy, but he wasn't even as antisocial as like the Miles Teller character from Whiplash. Yeah. You right. know what I mean? It's like, I could imagine sitting down and having a drink with this character. The guy from Whiplash, I wouldn't have wanted to hang out with in a million <laughs> years. So. All right, my number three, my top three has two films that kind of sort of like, not came out of nowhere, but like I didn't really think would be in my top three. Mm. And the first one is a movie that I actually watched for the first time Warcraft. on Netflix. <laughs> and this is a movie um, directed by John Carney, who did Once. Hmm. Um, this is a movie called Sing Street. Um, oh, that's I, on I, Netflix? I don't know. Yeah, I wanted to see it when it opened in theaters. I never got a chance when it was at, I think it was at the Charles for a little bit. Mm. But it's a pretty basic setup. You know, boy falls in love with this girl, wants to impress the girl, starts a band. And it takes place in Dublin in the 80s, so it's kind of surrounded by like this synth-pop music of the Duran Duran variety. Mm -hmm. And um, he's kind of in this working-class Irish family who, you know, is kind of hard on money, and he has to go to a public school. He's changing friends and mm -hmm. readjusting and coming of age. And um, Lucy Boynton, who plays the girl that he falls in love with, is just, like, magic. Like, I don't know who she is, but she's, like, incredible. Yeah. And she's gorgeous and just, like, you know, everybody, like, in around her falls in love with her. And it's just, like, she's just amazing in the film. But um, it's, like, that coming-of-age story that I always fall for. Yeah. Um, just set in the 80s with an amazing soundtrack. And a lot of really incredible original music. Yeah. You know, much like Once had a lot of great original music from uh, Glenn and Marquita. Like, it's just, like, this kind of thing where I think John Carney got some 
I think somebody that wrote the songs is from like an 80s like pop band or okay. something from uh, Ireland or from Europe somewhere, but just really took me by surprise. Like I just kind of randomly put it on one day like, oh yeah, I wanted to watch this mm-hmm. and just immediately was just like, like singing along to the songs and like have the soundtrack on my Spotify, mm-hmm. like, you know, listen to it quite often. The ballad in it is great. The songs are just so catchy. Yeah. And the performances are great. Um, Jack Rayner, who nobody probably knows his name, but he was like kind of sort of on the verge of blowing up when he was in the new Transformers movie. Okay. He like plays the guy that was dating Mark Wahlberg's daughter in it. Yeah. I don't know if you remember this at all. But he got a lot of like kudos for this performance, and he's great as the brother of the teenager. Who's kind of like not delivered on the promise of his youth and like is kind of like the not the burnout brother who lives at home still but sort of mm-hmm. but he's like kind of cultured and he gets it and he kind of like fosters his brother's curiosity with music and and with women and <laughs> with like being different and like yeah. you know not not like conforming to what the kids at school are trying to do and um he encourages him which is like the best part and it's just like really cool to have like a mentor like that who's also your brother and uh, I don't know. It just was really fun, like a fun watch. Like nothing heavy with this film. Yeah. Couple moments of like you know seriousness, but nothing heavy at all. It's brisk. It's fun to watch. Again, the soundtrack is great. And if you uh, like coming of age stories, if you like the '80s, or if you like Dublin, which I just recently went to, so maybe that had something to do with it. <laughs> but it was. Um, Incredible! I love it. Sing I've heard Street. really good things about it's it. So you will, you will. I guarantee you will love the film. So you're, you're gonna enjoy it too. I, I mean, loved it. The mu- oh, you saw it. Yeah, oh, good, I good. I saw it a while ago. Oh, great! Like love that movie. It's great. Like I completely forgot that I meant to see it. Probably when you saw it yeah. and told me you liked it. It's good. But man. like I just, just oh shit! It's on Netflix. Fuck yes! I can finally see this movie and literally watched like a month ago. I was like, wow, so this good. is like catered to me. So they're yeah. all talking animals. What? Yeah, they're all talking animals. Okay. Yeah, yeah, all talking animals. <laughs> Um, but yeah, Sing Street. Uh, if you if you're at all interested, you go on Netflix now and watch it. It's accessible if you have a Netflix account. It's good, man. So, number three. All right, my number two. Um, a movie that also surprised me a lot when I saw it, just because I was curious, but I did not expect to just love it, like to just get sucked into it and love it the way that you love a, um, a, you know. Uh, like a movie like Goodfellas or something like that, where you just the details and the, mm. the pace of it and the filmmaking and everything swirls together. But uh, The Handmaiden was a film that for me just really like just the visuals were so beautiful and so meticulously crafted, and the acting was so interesting. And so often with um, mm. uh, a, a foreign film where you're reading subtitles, you lose a little bit maybe of the kind of, right. the, the if it's got like good dialogue, you might not catch it, but this movie really felt like it was like really whip smart and really fast and had all these little character turns that were surprising. And in the end, it's very, it's very unusual and kinky and, and like there's not a single character that doesn't have sort of a, a twist to them in the sense. Um, and, and I almost hesitate to, to stress that because I don't want someone watching this on my recommendation, trying to figure out, what right. the twists are because you might ruin yeah. it for yourself you might guess a few things but i think it's still the way things unfold is surprising enough i was not ahead of the movie at all like i wasn't no. watching it feeling like oh here comes uh, this part you know i was waiting for certain things to happen that didn't occur and then while, while i was wondering about that 
I'll be blindsided by one of the one of the twists. But you do end up with like all the characters. I'm looking at the poster right now, and all the characters on the poster have a real journey over the course of the film, and it, none of it is uh, like a movie that I can quite think of. You know, it gotcha. maybe reminds me of a movie like. Um, one of those movies about manners, like Age of Innocence or something like that, where it's like just the the another Scorsese reference yeah. for me. But like where you're watching like a world where the people are having to act a certain way because of the demands on them. And then right. they're running little schemes and they're doing things on the side. And there's a little bit of humanity trying to poke through this kind of ritualistic lifestyle. And the fact that in this, it approaches certain ideas about like... Uh, I'm trying to how not to spoil it, but like yeah, please don't spoil it. No, I'm not spoiling yeah. anything about the plot, but it does get you to question eroticism and like the sorts of images that you might, or the sorts of fantasies that you might indulge in, particularly as a man, um, and what the root of that is. Is the root of that some subjugation of of women, or is the root of that some humiliation of someone, like watching someone go through something? You know, there's scenes in this where these guys are sitting there in tuxes and they're watching. Uh, a woman like read erotic fiction and there's like a guy who has this library with all these erotic uh, illustrations and stuff in it and you get to see how there's a weird sort of that even though in the bedroom maybe all things are equal there's still a kind of tyranny of like maleness and in and, and the movie's not explicitly dealing with that throughout but that is one of the subtexts wouldn't you say that these that there's these two women who are kind of adrift in this world of men that's one it's also my number two okay so, I was well, so gonna... you can just jump right in at any point well i don't want to Give yeah. away too much because it's a. It, and I'm just saying you can say yeah. whatever you're feeling though, but I because I'm having a hard time explaining what what the, the magic of it is. The, the deal with this dude is like the characters he, are so vivid. He he is the Quentin Tarantino of everybody, every place. Else. Everything I'm hearing like he, makes me so upset I didn't see it. It's he, one of a few that I did not see. Well, we're talking about Park Chan Wook yeah, yeah. who directed oh, yeah. Old Boy, yeah, he, who definitely has is, that. You're right. Yeah. People expect a certain level of quality to his movies. Sure, sure, sure. But this one is especially good because it it has so many stories going on at the same time that intersect in a cool way that's not insulting to your intelligence, that is very... Every little piece services the story. Sure. There's not a part... But it's just, not so neat that you feel like yeah, it's yeah. one of those movies where you're waiting for the other right. shoe to drop, right. you know? Yeah, yeah. They, but all the parts service the story, but the service... Uh, the the story zigzags in so many directions, like you were saying. Um, it's also gorgeous. Mm -hmm. It's also one of the most beautiful movies I've ever seen in my life. The textures, the costumes, the, textures. the yeah, decorating, yeah, everything. Layers yeah. to everything. Um, there's also like meticulous. Yeah. It, like, what country puts this out? I think you know, Korea. Is it, it's Korea. It's Korea. Korea. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, um, if you've seen any of his. Films like Tarantino, the the theme is always revenge. It's every single time it's revenge, but it every time it's tackled in a way that I just haven't seen before. And cool. this is important. It's important to know that like you can get the same satisfaction out of a a Korean film that you could an American film. See the Very movie. I don't yeah. want to keep talking, but yeah. yeah, it is it is really really good. And see all of his movies. See all of them. I mean, the the revenge. They call it the vengeance. They, they, there's like a like a vengeance trilogy. trilogy. Yeah, yeah, I there's saw like that. like two or three movies. But yeah, it's 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 a great movie, and everything he puts out, even the American one was a uh, Stoker. Stoker. I really I like Stoker. Stoker. Stoker was really yeah. good. Um, 
Yes. Well, that, that had the same cinematographer, uh, Chung Chung Hoon, who, uh, who shot this one. Sense. And it's like, I think, yeah, I think there's just a very, like a lot of visual care that these movies are put together with. Yeah. Like you can tell that, I mean, you just feel like everybody's working at the height of their ability. I, and yeah. to look and see that it costs, well, I mean, you never know in another country where those dollars go or, or, or how they're able to, to, to make it happen. But only eight. Uh, almost nine million dollar budget for what for the handmaiden yeah what i mean i get i think that, that just tells you i think crazy. that just tells you how possible it is to make a really gorgeous yeah. movie that lean and that lean style when you're not paying like robert denny jr's salary or something yeah. like that you know oh, like oh man what yeah that doesn't even make that doesn't even compute made, in my head it's already made about five or six times that so it's like it's only made about 36 million but it's still, yeah. I mean, depending on how much marketing, I don't remember seeing Holy that much marketing Jesus for Christ. this. So I don't know how much they spend to market a film like this. Maybe Park Chan-wook just has like sort of a, a built-in, you know, audience. Because I do think his movies, like he's one of the kind of name brand filmmakers out of South Korea. Yeah. But. Man, this fucking movie. I loved it. So, Good. Yeah. That, so that's two. So yeah, I'm dying to see that one. It goes to you now. Yeah, my number two, uh, this is the other one that kind of... I wanted to see this, but like it kind of took me by surprise also. Uh, I saw it in theaters again like a couple months before it came out, so I didn't get the benefit of hearing like any craziness about it. Mm-hmm. But um, it's Jay Bayona's A Monster Calls. Okay. Oh. Um, so I feel like every year I kind of hit this like conversation of like this feeling of like an Amblin mm-hmm. Spielberg thing mm-hmm. happening and yeah. that experience in the theater that's this 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 is that film this year really um it tackles some really dark themes like like in grieving and letting go and growing up and death and um honesty like things having to do with something uh with family members i mean it's in the trailer so it's not really spoiling much but it's basically about a kid whose mother's dying of a, a terminal illness, uh, played by Felicity Jones. I'm not sure who plays the young boy, but he's incredible. Mm. Um, and Liam Neeson is the voice of the monster, which is like kind of a cross between Groot and Optimus Prime, mm-hmm. <laughs> but in a best possible compliment I can give you. Like it works great. Yeah, it works so well. Cool. Um, no, I've seen a couple little clips. It looks really magical. Yeah. It, it's it magical. Perfect. That's the word I'm going for. Like it's magic and. Um, it's really kind of like shows you where that kind of fantasy magic can play into storytelling, um, <clears throat> into real, even though there's something so fantastic about what this boy experiences, um, there's something so real with like how you can relate to how it's okay to be honest about how you're coping with something that is like really, really, really hard mm-hmm. and who you can be honest with it about, mainly mm-hmm. yourself. And like addressing that, and like this kid who can't really address the real problem he's having, he kind of is doing it through this interaction with this fantastic monster that he's you know seeing, and um, it's super powerful, super emotional. It just hits a lot of the right notes for me. Mm. Um, it's really weird. Like I, I, I mean, knock on wood. Like I've only really had one true experience in my life where I lost a family member that like really knocked me down mm. a peg as like a man like when I when my grandfather passed away I like mm. I did not understand it like mm. it was one of the first times um like losing somebody and even the thought of losing somebody 
when they were still here with you and you you just knew that like one moment they would be and one moment they wouldn't be yeah, yeah. and like how hard that was to like cope with and the way this kid is trying to deal with this in this movie is really uh, it's kind of like heart wrenching you know yeah, yeah. Um, this is like a really creative kid a quiet kid who's very artistic mm. uh, just like his mother was and I'll tell you right now you guys will be blown away by the animation and like uh art design of how so basically he has these interactions with the monster mm-hmm. and the monster goes through these stories mm-hmm. yeah and the stories are told through like this watercolor animation story boards mm-hmm. and it is gorgeous like you will you wow. will be so amazed it, it's, I, I heard it's, that and i was wondering like when I hear that, I mean, it, it reminds me of like when you go to see a uh, a Disney or a Pixar film and they have like one of those shorts yeah. where it's like, it's some pushing animation forward thing. Yeah. I don't even know how people envision, I, I don't like know. knowing how hard it is. Like I have artist friends that mm-hmm. will do beautiful work and I've had to collaborate with them or I've had the privilege of collaborating with people on different stuff and like here we need an image that does this and knowing how hard it is for a single artist to come up with like a single image that hits all those spots yeah. it's amazing to me just the quality of work that artists who work on movies do yeah. do you know what all what I'm saying Absolutely. like how it can be painterly and it can be like gorgeous and it's like how did everyone agree on something that is both a little bit odd and really beautiful like yeah. how did they arrive at that I guess it just shows the level at which these people are working. But no, that, that, I, that part sounds really interesting to me, Steve. The fact that it kind of has these little visual flights of fancy. It kind of reminded me at first, like, do you remember, like, the story uh, boarding animation for, like, the Deathly Hallows? The Harry Potter movies, like, when they were explaining the story of the Deathly Hallows? No, no. Like, did, did you, you saw those films, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, the, it's like the black, like, kind oh, of silhouetic yeah, yeah, kind characters. Of, yes. Like, mm-hmm. almost looks kind of watercolor. Yes, it's kind of like that, but, like, vivid. And like uh, fucking gorgeous. That sounds really neat. It is mind blowing. It's gorgeous. Right, and and, it and beyond that, even the CG with the the monster itself is it it is it's some of the best that I personally have seen, mm-hmm. uh, especially in terms of like the interaction with the kid, mm-hmm. you know, and just like the whatever it is, the green screen or like some of it. I watched this feature. Some of it was like practical. They built like the uh. the bust. And, you know, would like so that the kid could interact with it. Right. Uh. Um, and it works so well. But just at, at the end of the at the end of the experience, it's just the idea of like being able to tell a a pretty heavy story. Yeah. And that's the only thing I worry about is whether this movie would be received like with like, you know, anybody under a certain age, you know, like being able to I don't know, get it. I don't know. It it, it maybe is not as accessible. It does seem like it's it's like a quasi adult, quasi kids film. It is. And it's kinda sits in between it sits on that fence in an interesting way. Um, I mean, I hope that it, it can be kind of like translated properly, but um, just at the end of the experience, though, just like the idea of taking um, like a fairy tale. And if you've seen like um, uh, uh, The Orphanage, mm-hmm. like yeah. that dark fairy tale yeah. that it pretty much is, it's that the same director. Like, yeah. you know, he has that flair for that visual style and like the ability to tell something pretty dark, mm. but in like this fairy tale magical way. And um, it it just feels really to me it feels really like Amblin esque, and it feels like that Spielberg touch that I didn't get from like the BFG, you know, uh, or like you know, like we're right, looking right. for that kind of movie this year, and I feel like this was this was that film, and this guy's um doing the not that it really is a direct 
play off of this film, but he's doing the Jurassic World sequel too, oh. which apparently is going in a kind of different tone direction mm-hmm. than Jurassic World did. So it makes me really excited well, to see... I've heard they're using a lot of practical effects. So which that, is awesome. That kind of jibes with what yeah, you said. Yeah. Wow. I've also heard that they're going for more of a straight horror, kind of more scary. Which exactly. Which I'm like, bring it on. And that and that's what I'm saying. Like, yeah. There's some of that stuff in this film, much like mm-hmm. there was in The Orphanage. Like, He plays in that world of like... Shit can be scary, but still pretty fucking fantastical, you know. Mm-hmm. Like, and that's really cool balance. And I don't know how that will play with dinosaurs, but in this world where this kid sees this monster tree, this tree that turns into this monster, it's um, it's really great, and uh, absolutely loved it. Cool. Number two, monster calls. So is this part of the Shyamalan universe as well? That the tree has <laughs> come to life. <laughs> right, right. I would love that. <laughs> Um, well, my final film uh, <coughs> is a film that I, I don't know if you've ever done this when since we've done this show, but like when you think of what your top film of the year is, and it just you just you're so sure about it, and you smile <laughs> about it, and mm-hmm. then every time you think about it, you're more sure about it. That's great. Um, Hunt for the Wilder People, man. I knew you were going with that. I right? loved everything about this movie, it's and I movie. knew I knew I loved everything about it because the second time I saw it. It was one of those things where the few little things that kind of bugged me the first time went away the mm. second time. You know, there's always that second viewing where if something bugged you the first time, it's magnified by the second viewing. You realize, that, okay, maybe this yeah. movie's not as good as I thought. But some movies you're like, why did I have a, an issue with this or that? I think that what originally threw me off was the way that the movie, it is, it, it's, it's very naturalistic in some ways and it's heightened in other ways. And there were some things that, like, I felt like in the last act, it really does kind of blow up into this different sort of story. But mm-hmm. I think on the second viewing, I think it needed this bombastic kind of, like, both in terms of this is what real danger is for these characters, but also this is kind of a movie climax. This is kind of a like a, a, a twist on the sort of moment this little kid in this yep. film has been thinking of and fantasizing the whole what, time. What happens? Yep. So it's not a it's not a director losing control of his material as I originally had feared it was. It's much more of like a cohesive thematic notion mm. that this kid is like before this adventure is over, this kid gets to have this moment that is so much larger than Absolutely. life. Absolutely, and he almost gets proven right about his his adventure skills and everything. But I just love the relationship between uh, the characters. Uh, Particularly, of course, uh, the two leads, uh, Uncle Heck, uh, played by Sam Neill, or just Heck. Uh, um, and then uh, the kid, Ricky Baker, played by Julian Dennison, who I don't know if I've seen in anything before this, mm-hmm. but he was a bit of a discovery. And Sam Neill, who is an actor that I love, he just has this great character to play. I mean, it will you will laugh. You will, if you've got a heart, you, it will choke you up. There's some real sweetness on display in this film, but not... Mm curdled into that manipulative sweetness it feels like it's just the right kind of movie um and also having to go uh, you know down this road every time seeing it with henry he's it's like this was the perfect like coming of age he had aged into seeing this movie just perfectly he didn't quite know what this teenager character was all about but i think he like every time after that that he and i go on like a hike or any kind of thing like that he'll mention this movie and say this kind of looks like a scene from from hunt for the wilder people you know um, it's just, yeah, it's that kind of adventure you wish you could have gone on when you were a kid. <laughs> yeah. Sam Neill is great and charming, but he's gruff and he's, you know, it takes a while. He's really good in it. Before he's he really warms good, up yeah. to the kid. And when he does, it's so earned. You feel this, you just feel this affection. Like, it, I've never seen a movie where it feels like a monumental thing for one character to say, you're a pretty likable person. 
to somebody. But knowing what it takes to get this guy to say this to, to say this that, kid, yeah. it's like, and also the sweet, again, I keep saying the sweetness, but like the, the way these characters have an inner life that feels very human and this notion of kind of damaged people finding each other. And as it turns out in this movie, this man and this kid both were sort of touched by the love of a woman who maybe had a thing for damaged people. I just find that notion very poignant. And, uh, uh, you know, it's one thing to see two characters find each other. It's another thing to see two characters find each other who don't want to find each other, you know? Um, No, charming, funny, exciting. And in the broader sense, if we're going to look at it as like part of the film trajectory of uh, Taika Waititi... I love this guy. He's, I love he's this guy. Such a good writer, man. Like he's a great writer. It's funny. It's real. Yeah. It's sweet. It doesn't feel I mean I like and I like to love most of the films of Wes Anderson, but this movie has none of that kind of cutesiness, none of that overly conceived sort of art direction, but it does have that world building. Yeah. Like yeah. you know what I mean? Like it's got it's got marks of that kind of quirky filmmaker uh but I don't think Waititi. I don't think he can be boiled down to being a quirky yeah. filmmaker. I think he's actually got a bit more heart, and I do think there's something about his New Zealandness that yeah. feels a little bit different, you know, and it feels a little bit foreign, but it's still very relatable. And then he's got, a, you know, obviously from what we do in the shadows, he's got Reese uh, Darby. Is that his name? He's got Reese Darby uh, as sort of like a part of his company that's going to pop up. He's hilarious in this film. So it's got some yeah. of that trademark New Zealand humor that you might know from Flight of the Concords yeah. or What We Do in the Shadows, but it's perfectly couched in this boys adventure tale um, that, uh, you know, I was I was thrilled when I got a chance to watch this again with with my family at home. I saw it with Henry and then we, we showed it to his mom and she loved it. It was just, you know, one yeah. of those great experiences. And to top it all off, one of the catchiest damn songs of the year for me was the song that um what's her name bella in the film she sings this song to ricky on his birthday Mm. which in the movie is just kind of presented as like a sweet thing and she's got this keyboard so she writes this song for him but there on the soundtrack there's like a an indie pop band doing uh, like a full-fledged version of the song it really holds up it's really catchy and it's just just like the movie it's got the right amount of sweetness the right amount of silliness um and the right amount of heart. So cool. I would awesome. say Hunt for the Wilder People. I, I have a feeling I will be coming back to this movie every so often for the for the rest of my days. I love his stuff. I think he is a great director. And Me I too. think that it's it's it keeps getting better and better and better. Um But the, so the question I have is Because I he, love Boy. So do you think he's gonna be overwhelmed by the Marvel machine, or do you think he's gonna be able to pull with James Gunn and bring his I think so. His I really do. Yeah, I think I think he's gonna be able to. His cork is not through like sets and stuff like that. A lot of it is through dialogue, which I think is a lot different than. No, you're right. To, you're right to mention of, his writing because yeah. I do think that the writing is really strong. The, the like it's, the it's it's, a fun, it's grounded. Yeah, it's it's grounded, but it's also like really the way that people speak to each other. There's like a funniness to mm-hmm. conversations and, and kind of trying to pull information out of people mm-hmm. that, that, that can be really, really funny. So, yeah. Oh. Ricky Baker. You're Ricky out. Ricky Baker. <laughs> My number one is uh, Barry Jenkins. Okay. Moonlight. Okay, so Med- Medicine for Melancholy is one of my favorite movies of all time for a bunch of reasons. Uh, it, it's just very... Well made, beautiful soundtracks, a bunch of indie bands. 
um and it it just feels bigger than it is you know what i mean and this one is kind of the same deal like it's beautiful it's one of the most beautiful movies i've seen um and deals with obviously some heavy stuff um I just thought it was beautiful. I just think it was really beautiful to capture. And this is for any... I just haven't seen a story about a a couple, two people that just... I don't know, man. It just transcends time. Like, you... you, you, There's something, regardless of whether you, you align with whatever's happening or not, there are people in your life, whether you're attracted to them or not, that you could talk to them when you're 15 and then you see them 10 years later and you have a conversation like they never left. Yeah. And then it can happen again when you turn 50. Mm-hmm. It's the strangest thing in the world when you have those deep, deep connections with people. And I don't see it happen very well in film. And it's one of the few that I saw that I, I really... I understood it. I'm not. I'm not a gay man, mm-hmm. but I got the connection that you have with somebody. You have this thing that you you kind of chasing, and while you're doing it, you're protecting yourself while the stuff's happening. Well, sure. I think we actually talked about this. This notion of like, there's this extra thing. I mean, if you're a gay man, you're a man. Yeah, just like any man. Right. But you also have to know how to drop the the bravado and yeah. be vulnerable with another man. I think there there's something about that that I it is hard for me to get my head around it, but yeah. not because I'm like, oh, that's so weird, yeah. but just because it's like I know that in all my male friendships, there's always been that thing that sets it apart from uh, from a romantic thing, which is that how much vulnerability are you willing right. to have in this moment? And maybe that says something about friend, the state of male friendships, you know, that we should be more honest about our feelings. Right, right. Um, but no, I find that aspect of it to be really interesting. And I found watching the movie, I was really tracking that part of it, my own personal reaction to like, okay, I've never had this experience, but how would that feel? I mean, I know what it felt like to discover my own sexuality as I was growing up. And like, you know, what would that feel like if everything around you was telling you this is wrong, this is going to get you beat up, right. this is terrible, but you still have, you're still you. You're still the same person you are inside. I'm not saying I've never thought of that before. I don't think I've seen it dramatized this way before, though. Yeah, it's... it's Like the quiet moments that add up. It's, it's unbelievable. Yeah, it's... Like that scene on the beach with his friend when he's a kid. Yeah. And it's like this vulnerability, or when he's a teenager. The vulnerability and then... I don't know. Without saying too much, we see how important those little moments can be to yeah, a person. Absolutely. So that's my number one, Moonlight. Please see that movie. So it, do you think Moonlight's going to be the big, the big winner this year? Do you think I it's going to be La La Land? I think it might be the the same deal as the Golden Globes. I think that so they don't have two different movie categories like the Golden Globes. Do yeah, I think that La La Land's going to win a lot of the like best. Original right. script and stuff like that, but I think that Moonlight's going to win. I heard someone say that the splitting the categories in the Golden Globes is a fuck you to comedies because there's mm. always one musical and it always gets it. And I don't know if that's true, but if you went back, I do think there's something true it's about that. That like, what type of movies do they like to give awards to? Right. La La Land is like it hits all it, of it, those. It does, spots. man. And I, f- that's part of why I was so conflicted about 
I heard someone say it's the Shakespeare in Love of this year's Academy oh, Awards. Jesus. That it's going to be the movie that wins, and that years later people look back on. <laughs> See, and not so much like say this yeah, was like, terrible, but like, Private Ryan. but like should have been. Yeah. Well, I mean, like I think people said that about um, the artist. You know, it had already left people's minds. Oh right, Like right. a few months after it got all the accolades. Sure. I think sometimes if a movie is kind of slight and it's not about war and it's not about some intense subject, yeah. it can seem a little minor uh, with the distance. But I feel like Moonlight is not, you know, as small as it is. It's not a minor film. Right. I hope. I, I hope... think. I think it'll definitely get adapted screenplay. You think so? Yeah. You think Mahershala is up? I think. I think he'll get it. I mean, I, I was shocked that he didn't get the Golden Globe, but it kind of makes sense a little bit. But I think he's Who got the, the Golden Globe? Aaron Johnson for Nocturnal Animals. He was good. That, that didn't make any sense to me, man. No, I mean he was. It, it's a good performance, but yeah, like yes. that's the Hollywood Foreign Press Association. Like that's yeah. a whole different. No, that's yeah. a nuts. Yeah. Yeah. that's a different piece. Like, Jesus Christ! Why did yeah. they choose that? Yeah, awards are, are are screwed up, but that one is in particular. That, like these are that yeah. award was weird as far. I was I I I was cool with every other one. I yeah. was like, why? What? What of all the people in that movie? Sure. Yeah, Michael no. Shannon squashed him. Yeah, yeah. And no, I'm, totally. You totally. Although agree. I will say, Aaron Taylor Johnson, I, I'm now just, I, I, he's a better actor than I thought he was. Okay. No, but I liked him in the movie. It's yeah. just, it's just a weird, like you know, Mahershala. That. Yeah. Yeah. No, there's no. The question. scene in Moonlight with him in the when he takes him in the water. Yeah. I love. That's like one of my like favorite the advice scenes. he gives him. Yeah. Well, he just, I forget. I. I uh, it's like he says a line like this: "This here man, this here little man, like this is you're in the middle, you're, you're in the middle of it." Yeah, or that's what I mean. Like just that. I love you that. You can imagine that sticking with you. Though. Yeah, like, yeah, that's like just that floating feeling of being. And then, to, and then to see that years later he things. kind of patterns himself after yeah. that guy yeah. in some ways. It's that really first scene, the the like uh, continuous shot of him coming out of the car mm -hmm. and talking to the drug dealer, and then like just the interaction. It was like oh, yeah. a straight, yeah, 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 seamless shot. The the camera followed him around the whole time. Ah, oh, man, I that was insane to me, man. Yeah, this is a good movie. How do you Great. think that movie threaded that particular needle, though? Do you think I know we talked about this with Atlanta, that like as as when we were talking about our favorite TV shows, mm -hmm. how as as nice as it is to see this subject matter and to see this these types of creators having having a voice, is does Moonlight handle it any more delicately? I mean, or is it just as strange that Moonlight Two has like drug dealing as like a major theme? Did that feel realistic? I mean, I I, I don't know from my own personal experience, but I, I kept wondering: is this just very realistic, or is this yet another example of if it's a movie about these people, it has to have some crime element, it has to have some drug element? Um, as the movie goes along, it's not that important to the film, so I feel like they they it wasn't about crime, it wasn't about drugs. Yeah, uh, without saying too much um i have an influence that's similar mm -hmm. you know what i'm saying like so i, I don't know like it happens it, no, it i'm not just, saying that i'm just yeah, saying like I is just, it is it yet another case of us going okay we're still not quite there yet where you could like there's no la la land with black people in it do you know what i mean yeah like that there hopefully there will be eventually and and all of them won't be like historical movies or people being treated terribly and mm -hmm. then but I don't know. I think it was a cool enough story. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> but I mean, it's based. It's like a semi-autobiographical right. Yeah. Right. story. Which is, which so. is, that's why I'm kind of. Yeah. Has, I'm talking about more in the in the bigger picture. I'm not saying this particular right, movie. Right. I think handles everything it t touches about as delicately as it could. I think that there there's. I think it's coming. Yeah. I think that I think it's slowly, slowly happening. Mm -hmm. And 
you know, it's just going to yeah. take some time because, you know, we're going from. I think I think as long as people still call things hidden fences. Right. I'm serious, man. No, like, no. As long as things like that keep happening, it's a reminder that people marginalize things in a way. It's it's bigger than that. It's 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 a big thing. The reason that, hidden fences bothers me though is because fences is a famous play. Well, it's yeah. not like you should have just heard I could I mean, you know what I'm saying? I could see someone yeah. having the confusion except that fences should be in your mind if you're an actor or if you're in entertainment. Fences should, you should yeah. know fences. You should know August it, Wilson it's, play. It's the idea that like Somebody can't pronounce Mahershala, yeah, but can say Olshowski or something right, like that. Right, right. It's it's a dismissiveness of your culture, of your of your existence that happens constantly. So it, it it's it's a little way of fighting you. Mm-hmm. It's like if 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 I met you, I'm like Steve. Who is this? You're like John, and I go, Hey, what's up, Joan? Hey, what's up, Rob? And every time I meet you, I call you something different. Mm-hmm. That only happens with African Americans with names that aren't that hard to pronounce mm-hmm. but it's like a dismissiveness man it bothers the fuck out of me it, it's been happening forever and i used to think that like i'm like this person is just being a they just don't know like but it happens so often how could they not know yeah it's a dismissiveness it's 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 your little it's it's a it's way of, it's a way of fighting very subtly that you don't like that person or that you don't think that person belongs mm-hmm. it happens a lot so i'm at work and i see it happen all the time there are people with with names with six syllables sometimes from Germany. And then somebody's like, Malek? It's like Malik. Just fucking pronounce it the way that it says to... Why are you doing that to that person? You know that person's name is pronounced like that. Anyway. No, right. It's like, it's, ha- have you heard... Have you heard the name? Like, the odds are you've heard the name Malik yeah, at some point. You haven't yeah. heard Malek. Yeah. You haven't, you're making that up to be a dick face. <laughs> so it's just... Until that, those things, it's the subtle things and then the bigger things, and it'll it'll become a thing eventually. But I'm rooting for it. I, I'm I'm sure that something like that will happen at some point. But you know, it takes some time. And until then, I'll I'll take the moonlight. Oh I'll no, I mean again, I'm not saying it as a ding on I'll this movie at all because this movie was so sensitive and clearly had more on its mind than right. any kind of sensationalized portrait. Right. You know. Like, it really didn't try to manipulate you. I didn't think too much no, at all. No, like, it no. really threw you in. It didn't feel like that was a central part of the story, but it, it can be. It is a part of it, man. It is well, it's a, like the, that character wrestling with where he fits into the sort of waking yeah. world. That is an aspect of it. Is if he's a dealer, then he's kind of like, you know, he's kind of like keeping to the shadows, yeah. which is sort of indicative of the character's state in terms of, uh, like, his... his not coming out of the closet, so to speak, it could be yeah. a way to kind of cloak himself. But I, but I, I still would hesitate to, to say that this movie does what we're kind of complaining about because it is presented as like a life path, yeah, and it's not, it's not romanticized, yeah. It's just seen as this is part of the world. You yeah. know what I mean? Uh, I do hope that at some point there are just regular stories about right black people. I really do. <laughs> I, I really hope. So when I see something like maybe Atlanta and Insecure and stuff like that, I'm like, okay, that could. It's TV right. Well, clearly of it. those are made like clearly those creators in this, like you were saying about the autobiographical nature of Moonlight, Steve. These creators are pulling from their own lives. Yeah. And so you yeah. can't tell someone what they can and can't right. pull from their own life. Yeah. You're absolutely right. Cool. So that's my number one. Uh, it's your cool. turn. 
dun, 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 so dun. speaking of like names that I don't know that we've ever pronounced properly, is that is that's rude of us? I think I know what this will be. Um, I did learn that his name, his first name, is actually pronounced Denis. Denis, yeah. Um, Villeneuve. Yeah. <laughs> um, but my number one pick for the year is Arrival. Um, I know that I like when we talked about it briefly on a prior episode. I was definitely the one. This is my number twelve, by the way. I okay. Almost made my list. Okay. Um, <laughs> I was. Cool. I definitely like. Probably was the biggest fan of it amongst the three of us. But um, I want to hear why. I, I gotta say, curious. going back and see it a second time was a game changer for me. Oh. Like okay. I, I would you. challenge you both to see it a second time if you could. I mean, even if you didn't love it, I, I don't. You probably liked it the least. It sounded like, but I would challenge you to see it again if you have a chance. Um, just because I feel like experiencing it the first time um much like the cursory experience of anything Mm -hmm. um going in a little more prepared like you it's a different experience like Mm -hmm. it truly is um uh picking up on things that you didn't pick up on the first time um really certain scenes having different meaning than they had the first Mm -hmm. time It's, it's like genuinely a thing where like it works both ways like had i not seen it it probably would have still been in my top 10 but seeing it the second time was what really sold me that like, I like I absolutely love the film. Mm. Like there's so many things to love about it for me. Um, Amy Adams' performance I thought was incredible. Um, I actually really like Jeremy Renner in it, which I don't know that I usually like him a whole lot. Mm-hmm. Um, anything that has aliens in it, I'm like down. <laughs> he, he was so underplayed and naturalistic in this. Yeah, it's like, he was. Yeah, which is not. Yes. Like, I don't know that he always does yeah. that. Like it's not. That's not his normal. Um, but anything with aliens, I'm in. But anything that challenges what I expect or what people expect to happen with aliens in a movie, I feel like that is like a that's like the divergence for me, like in terms mm-hmm. of like what you don't see coming with the film, which I think can also hurt the film for people going into it wanting that movie. That's very true, and that's a problem. But to well, me, I thought we were going to play the best. I thought the arrival was going to go in the other direction. Like, so I was pr- pleasantly surprised that we saw anything okay yeah whereas so often in a movie like this you would think you might get to the end and not have really seen anything like that or you would have seen some indication but the fact that you actually get a sense of what kind of creatures these are yeah um no i thought from a sci-fi standpoint it was a really cool it was just a really cool style uh, like exercise i mean it definitely had certain things that that i'm i've pondered Mm -hmm. but that notion of like how to communicate and then, like, actually, even though it might be kind of a Cliff's Notes version of how to communicate, the way the movie depicts the difficulty and the 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 way that they come up with a theory as to what could be going on, all that was so, like, from almost like a procedural standpoint, yeah. it was cool to see it develop. And it seems so pragmatic too, the way yeah. she was approaching it, opposed to like all the other people that they had brought mm. in to work on it, mm. and even the other countries working on it when they were sharing their information, like. It's just a really cool study in language and communication, yeah, like John was saying. Cool. And I think that that was like the coolest thing to me was that because like that's never happening in a in most right, sci-fi right, movies. Right. That's not the crux of the film is like this idea of language and communications. Um, the other thing that I think was really cool, and this was more something that I experienced seeing it the second time, was this idea of like how it how deliberate so much in the movie is in terms of like the beginning and ends of something. Oh. There's so much um, symmetry in the language that they share with, that the aliens share with us in the film. Yeah. Like the idea, like when she explains it, like 
I forget the term, but like being able to write a sentence with both your left and right hands, knowing where it ends and starts and meeting in the middle. Mm -hmm. Like that, that is how their language is built. And the idea of like being able to know the future of yourself and the beginning of yourself and where it meets in the middle. And like, if you knew the future, would you change the the present? You know, things like that. Like there's so many like heady things going on that I picked up on more in the second viewing. Um, like with her and the and her child, and with Jeremy Renner's character, and um, with where they play into one another, and like it just fucking like all clicked. Yeah. yeah. The second time, like seventy five percent through the film, I like just completely had a different experience, and like it was um, I don't know, I feel like I view that as like an as an uh an asset as an accomplishment mm-hmm. you know because even the first time i said i love the film but like the second time i don't know if it was the intention of the screenwriter of the filmmaker of you know the short story that it was based on like to be able to say there's some layered shit in here mm-hmm. and like yeah. you can you can dig more into what we're trying to dish out but if you only want to see it once you'll still get it right it'll yeah. still make sense and hopefully you'll still enjoy it but you can dig deeper into this attempt for us to communicate more about this story if you want to see the film a second time, a third time, whatever. I just loved how much it hinged on her character's inner strength in a way that, again, she's not like the kind of female hero that is like a man. Yeah. Where they just make her like a badass. Nope. Yeah. Uh, and and then there's just not the kind of female... I've heard some people complain that like as a, as a woman, the fact that her storyline had so much to do with motherhood that people were saying, oh, that's just the typical role that women are put in in movies. But I feel like the strength of her character... I, it, I, I don't think that, that it was a sappy... I don't think it was like a sappy comment on motherhood at all. I think it was like much more about what you were talking about, like just the path of your life yeah. and the history. And if you knew then what you know now, and to me that notion of like, if you knew, would you do it again? And to say, I would do it again, I wouldn't change a thing. Like to me, that's always felt like a really powerful statement to make that yeah. statement in your own life. Absolutely. To look at the mistakes and everything that got you where you are and to say, oh, I would do it. I would actually not want to change anything because I wouldn't want to run the risk of not having what I have now, right. what who I am now. I think that that strength that that character shows when, when faced with these cosmic possibilities to me was huge. And it yeah. really was a contrast to what I was saying last time or in our a couple weeks, a couple episodes ago about the... My, one of my least favorite films was Nocturnal Animals. Oh, right. Is that movie? It seemed like it was so much about like punishing a woman for a very relatable decision. And then on the flip side, you've got Amy Adams playing this character who the whole movie hinges on her strength yeah. as a person and as a specifically as a woman. Like I honestly feel like the movie had me feeling like if this was a man, they might not have picked up on some of these subtleties of communication. They might not have been homed in Absolutely. on some of these things. So to me, that notion. That that this movie is in any way anti-feminist seems a little seems a little silly. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I don't I don't get that. I get I get the point, but I, mean, I can't I can see agree a woman with it. saying, "I want to see a, a hero in a movie." Kind of what we were just saying about love to see a movie about black people that doesn't involve drugs. Yeah, yeah. A woman saying, "I'd love to see a fem- a female protagonist that's not her ultimate accomplishment isn't being a mother." You yeah. know. But again, I think this movie goes beyond that. It doesn't it doesn't position the motherhood as itself the destination. <laughs> it's more like how that's part of her journey and like there's things you pick up on like with clarity in my mind about like what happens with her and jeremy renner Mm -hmm. in in their relationship 
you know, and um, how none of that stuff is insignificant. Like in another in another yes. movie, the romance would have just been a little afterthought to add some flavor to the movie. But in this movie, the the fact that these two characters are coming together is the part of the point. I absolutely loved Arrival, um, and this fucking Denny man. He's mm-hmm. like I'm looking back on my list and like last three years, he's pumping into the top. Mm-hmm. Last three or four years, pumping into my top three or four movies of the year. And I can't wait to see Blade Runner. I know um, what he's going to do with it, and just him as a as a filmmaker. That Not comes to mention out this year, yeah, yeah, in the fall. Holy and shit! I thought the film also just not that we haven't said this before about his films. Uh, who the cinematographer was for this film, but I thought it was gorgeous. Mm-hmm. That uh, that shot of like coming film. into the valley and with the fog bank rolling in, mm-hmm. that looked fake as fuck to me for yeah. a moment. But I was like, holy shit, that's real, right? And I watched this featurette about how they got that shot, and it was like a dumb luck when they were filming wow. it, and it was like gorgeous. That's so um, yeah, it's really, really well made. Yeah, on I, top I, of everything else, I love, love, loved. Um, I was, I was gonna say, I felt like the arrival had a chance that that was its one of its shot at an Oscar win was adapted screenplay, mm-hmm. but when Moonlight got put into from original to adapted, I think it might have mm-hmm. fucked up the chances for Arrival. I think Moonlight will probably win. But um, yeah, Arrival, number one movie, twenty sixteen, and we have arrived. Man, there it is at the end of our journey. I like the Arrival a lot more than I'm saying. I yeah. have to be. <laughs> please, just... please go see it again. No, yeah, I mean I think you would really. What it is though is like I guess I guess what it is, we all kind of deal with that sort of conflict. The idea that like we're all kind of like cars you buy and then you. You don't know what's gonna happen to yeah. the cu- You yeah. don't know. You yeah. t- you take that risk. It is a bold risk. It is a crazy gamble that we take, spending time with the people that we spend time with. And I think it's it's kind of beautiful yeah. mm-hmm. that you know that in the end it's gonna be yeah. whatever it is, and we still do it. Yeah. And if you knew something specific, that'd be even crazier. Yeah. And sometimes you do know. Sometimes yeah. you find out things like. you know i some people have like diabetes or high chance high blood pressure that runs in their family and you know despite all of these things that you know may kill a person yeah like i'm gonna still do that i'm gonna still get in this thing and make it happen and make it work it's beautiful it's one of the most uh satisfying intellectual films i feel like i've experienced in a while and there's it seems like there's like so much thought that went into from the language the language everything. yeah the language yeah. stuff like explaining the fract I mean the structures of sentences and word choice yeah. and like things like that were just it, it's all earned and and like when it gets to that point at the end yeah. when you know you understand even on first view and you get it you understand what's happening right, right. like we talked about it on the podcast a few back like that. I don't know, you don't even call it a twist really, but like that moment, it it's it's so well laid out that it, it's not like sudden, it's not cheap, it's not it's not like a free, hey, look, there's some some crazy twist at the end of this sci fi film. Yeah. It it means so much to what you saw in the first like fifteen minutes of the movie and it just makes it all make much more sense. But I don't know. Yeah, so that's it guys. Favorite movies of twenty sixteen, it's wow. done. Yeah. On to a new year. Plenty of new ones to come out. All the really best movies come out in January and February. Yeah, so much to look forward to. <laughs> That's what they say. <laughs>
So we will be, uh, I guess, yeah, in a couple of weeks, we'll be back with, with our first regular episode of yeah. the year. I hope everybody got something out of this. I, I Actually, I, once again, I feel spent and like there was a catharsis and yeah. i'm i'm sure we may return to some of these movies uh in the months to come but it is kind of nice to look back and say maybe maybe we're done talking about a lot of old stuff bring in the new bring on 2017 uh you can find us on movieshmovie.com facebook itunes google yeah. stuffs uh if you can rate us or leave us a review on itunes new year challenge do it people come yes. on let's please. do it please do please it. please but yeah, leave us a review, stars on iTunes, whatever you can do to let us know what you think of the show. I was just thinking this is the point normally in a show where we would run out of steam and we would throw to Ronald and he would say something absurd and that would be our out. Yeah. And now, usually when we get to this point, I look down at the table and I think, I don't want to do that to poor Ronald. Look, nope. at, look how tired he is. I'm all beat up. <laughs> I'm all beat up. He's done. I'm done, Past his bedtime. What I'm can we say so about good. him that people haven't already said about Barack Obama? <laughs> Wasn't that one of your old lines? Yes. <laughs> Remember no. when he was he's our president? He's checking his watch he's right now. Like, oh, goodness, it's past my bedtime. It is past my bedtime. <laughs> do, do, do you guys remember when Obama was president, though? Yeah, man. Yeah, back in the day. It was great. It was the good was, old days. That was a cool time. It's crazy. It's crazy world, man. Now here we are in the... We're in a bunker. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All with AK-47s in If you're either. hearing this... <laughs> One weekend, go north. <laughs> Shit got real. <laughs> go there's north. gonna be a purple. There's gonna be a purple flag. We're gonna meet north. <laughs> Just listen for Ronald's voice. This will be on repeat forever. Please. Yeah. This is a loop. It's a loop. Oh man. <laughs> God, man, that would be so insane. Man. You guys just uh, made me sad. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and uh, yeah, on that note, note yeah. you've made our day. Thanks for listening. Yes. Bye. Thanks for hanging in there.